Blog Talk Radio. Tuesday morning um, that I overslept. However, I was able to get in there like a couple hours later and not go online or anything like that. And, and so that was not nice not knowing it. Um, and then, of course, on Saturday night, Spence and Crawford got it in. And, man, like, it's funny because after Tuesday's performance from Inua, you know, I, I pretty much everybody was saying, man, it's going to be tough to top that, you know, like I respect both Crawford and Spence and all that good stuff. But man, what, what anyway did in the domination, I mean, it's going to be tough to top that. That's what I was, you know, that's what a lot of us were saying on Tuesday. Some people still have anyway on their, you know, on the top pound for pound. I'm not going to, you know, have a big argument about that. That's for sure. Um, then the Crawford Spence fight came, and I said Crawford Spence because Crawford, after the third round, Crawford dominated it, just completely dominated it. You know, I loved how he came out looking to win those early rounds. Sometimes that's been an issue, as we know. You know, he downloads and and he'll get hit probably too much for how high level of fighter he is, right? But he came out to win the rounds, and he came out worried about his jab. And those two things right there, I was like, wow. You know? Like, okay. That's a difference we don't always see. Um, and he just, like I said, after the third round, you could give Spence the first round. If you wanted to give him the third round, you could. He was winning the second round until he got knocked down. But after that, sure, Spence would have his moments. Um, and sometimes they'd exchange punches, and you'd think, wow, Spence just landed a good one, and Crawford would just land right back. But like I said, it was just pinpoint accuracy. He was sharp from the jump. Um, it was just phenomenal. And I understand some folks, because we had these two fights on paper that people were so excited for, and we didn't really have a two-way fight 
throughout both fights, right? So I do understand some of that. I, I got some messages saying, man, I wanted a, a good back-and-forth fight. Um, and I understand that. I mean, obviously, when you're watching boxing or, or really any sport, any kind of sport, I want to see a close game, unless it's like my Vikings or something. Yeah, I'd rather see a blowout. You know, last the last two years, my Vikings have been in just crazy close games. And those are fun, but not every damn game. Um, so I understand that sentiment of, damn, dude, these fights, you know, on paper. But if you look at these quote-unquote super fights in the past, I mean, Mayweather-Pacquiao comes to mind. That was pretty one-sided, but we didn't have the explosive punches that were landed in both of the fights, correct, from either guy, really. I mean, we had some big punches, but not like that. If you look at um, Mayweather-Canelo, I mean, you know, Mayweather definitely, like, dominated the fight, but, you know, it was, it was one-sided. Sometimes these fights, especially for a while with Pacquiao and, and Floyd, um, if they weren't fighting a top-level guy, sometimes these big fights, these pay-per-view fights, the main event could be one-sided, you know. Um, but the difference is, yeah, we didn't get two great fights, but we got two great performances. And... If you're looking for greatness in the modern day, this is what it looks like. Crawford and Inoue separated themselves from damn good fighters, okay? It's not taking anything away from Spence and Fulton. They just separated themselves. And like I said, you know, I'm not big on, oh, I'm going to start matching them up with, you know, Mayweather and matching them up with Pacquiao and matching them up with, uh, you know, Tommy Hearns and, and Leonard. I'm just not a big fan of that, especially while the fighter is still active, which, uh, you know, we assume Crawford still will be an active, you know, fighter. I don't see him retiring, maybe sometime soon, but right now there's no reason to, you know. Um, but that's what it looks like. Yes, it wasn't great fights. It was great matchups on paper. But once they rang the bell and a few rounds went by, that was greatness. That was greatness. When you separate yourself and you dominate someone like that. And, and so, yeah, I mean, if I had to choose, I probably would. I probably would put Crawford at the top pound for pound list. And if, if someone has way there, cool. Um, to me, it's probably where you had him before he, they stepped in the ring. Like, I, I should say before this week, Tuesday included, if you had Crawford first, well, then he probably shouldn't get bumped, right? If you had anyway first, then you can make an argument he shouldn't be bumped. But I, if I had to choose, I would choose Crawford. But, man, um, like I said, that's greatness. That was greatness in, in both of these guys. The flaws they showed, the minor little things that they showed as far as weaknesses, which, by the way, every single solitary fighter has them, um, at the, at the pinnacle of their career, at the highest level of their career, they showed up when those lights were the brightest. And that's tough to do. And, you know, we can, there's excuses, there's reasons, their styles make fights. You know, I got, I got messages saying, oh, you didn't pick Crawford. My you know, I've been doing predictions since 2009 as far as, like, putting them officially, not just why well, I had this guy. No, I put it either on a YouTube channel or the podcast. And for well over a decade, I've done prediction blogs every week. 
you know, pretty much every week. So um, you're going to get some wrong. But, you know, it's not like I was saying Fulton's going to dominate anyway or, you know, I, I picked them both by decision, split decision, majority decision. And, you know, the two, the only two people I put money on for knockout were anyway and Crawford. I did go the under um, in the Crawford fight. I didn't touch the other one when it came to over-under. Um, and then, you know, the thing is, the plus number, let's say plus 300 and down or plus 250 and down, it's been great to me. I mean, I picked uh, Taylor over Tiafimo, but I, but at that plus number, it's like on average, you got to put money on the, the plus number just because. Like, if you're going to bet year-round, my, my, is what I'm saying. Um, if you only bet a handful of times a year, that's different. But on average, when a guy like Fulton's a plus 250 or, or you know, started to creak higher, I thought that was good money. I put money on a decision, which was plus 274 or plus 294 for Spence. You know, I, you got to – to me, just on average, you had to put money on that. So, yeah, I didn't get my predictions right. But that's okay. Like I said, I wasn't up here talking shit about any of these fighters. I wasn't up here saying, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk and they're going to dog walk them and all that. I wasn't up there saying that. And like I said, I still won money. You know what I mean? So um, that's fine, though. That That's perfectly okay. And then on the flip side, like especially when it comes to Spencer Crawford, because that was obviously a lot more, uh, um, how should I put it, banter to put it lightly, a lot of people emotional about that. I don't, I get emotional about fights as far as watching them and, and being into it and, and being happy when a fight gets made and all that. But once I just, I didn't have a rooting interest. You know, some people did and that's, that's cool. A lot, most people did. And that's fun. It's, it's fun to go back and forth and talk shit and all that. As long as you don't get too personal. I think that, you know, there is some crossing of the line, you know, um, but yeah, I, 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 that's okay. I got them wrong. Right. But on the flip side though, let's address the spent stuff. So spent the reason why I went the under, I had already put money on a KO, just one KO bet for Crawford. I mean, just talking about Spence Crawford, I'd get with anyway too, like I said, but you know, people are now saying, and these are like super spent fans. That, you know, and if Crawford would have lost, guess what? Someone would have said, oh, Spence waited until he was 35, you know. Um, but just like I said with the Ryan Garcia stuff, see, I keep it straight up. I keep it consistent, okay? And, and once you sign that contract, and where I'm going with this is the weight train. A lot of, a lot of Spence fans, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I've seen some Spence fans saying, you know, he didn't look right. That's fine. That's cool. We already knew. But the thing is, we already knew he was, you know, out of the ring for more than a year. We already knew that this was likely going to be his last fight at the weight class. You know what I mean? These are things we knew going in. Okay? We already know he's been in a car accident and he may not be the same. Fine. That's fine. I mean, he looked pretty close to the same fighter against Ugas. Obviously, Ugas is in bud. But you can't now say, oh... He was weight trained. Now, looking at him coming in the ring, like if you look at him walking in the building and looking at him coming in the ring, yeah, he didn't look great. He didn't look great. He looked pretty low energy and didn't look 
like he was just being overly calm. Yeah, he didn't look great, but we knew there was a chance of that. We knew that 147 is getting tougher and tougher for him to make. And, you know, part of the reason why, you know, that, that was part of the reason why a lot of people had gone over the Crawford side too, you know, in the fact, like I said, he hadn't fought since last April or two Aprils ago. That's part of it. That's harder to make that weight then, you know, that, but you can't use it as an excuse. Right now, especially when your fighter right now is not saying it. Now, will he feel better at 54? Of course. That just goes for the people messages about that and the stuff I've seen on Twitter too. Of course he'll feel better at 54, right? Sure. Of course he will. We know he wants to move there, right? And he didn't take a tune-up or a fight sometime, you know, when he could have fought Thurman or something like that. Um, He didn't take it. He said, I don't do tune-ups, and he took the fight. And and so I think I'm not going to dog him now for it. So for the people that say, oh, you you know – I don't want to see him against anyone besides Crawford. Okay, well, he fought Crawford. And then the people that say, oh, he should have had a tune-up. Well, I hear you, but he didn't, you know? So it is what it is. And uh, the only way it turned, and I'm not saying he's using it as an excuse, but I I know his next fight, he's going to be saying, I feel a lot healthier at this weight. It's just a natural thing. Of course he's going to feel healthier at 54. But the only way the excuse turns into a reason why he lost. The only way is if the rematch is at 54 and he beats them. That's the only way up until otherwise you can't use that as an excuse. You just can't, you cannot, because like I said, and someone was already piping, but Ryan Garcia, dude, Ryan Garcia. And I played the audio on both sides of the fence where he, you know, he, he would, talk to one platform and say, dude, this, I actually, I'm actually happy with the weight. I can still make 135. I got an extra pound. It is what it is. I'm really close. Like I'm, I'm going to be fine. And then a different platform, he'd say a different thing, you know, but the point is he signed the contract. I know the stipulation was different. My point is, if Spence signed the contract to fight at 47, and he didn't take a tune-up or didn't take Thurman before he fought it and let another year plus go by, it is what it is. That's what he decided to do. Was it a, you know, a smart move? No. But to be, you know, there's also a style make fights here. And, you know, you can see, like I said, will he be healthier at 54 and probably feel better? Yeah. He'll probably perform a little better. Sure. I'm not saying that. But stylistically, I just don't see that mattering. And it's not like Crawford's a small dude either. He's even been quoted saying, I'll fight at 54. And he's the one who said he wanted Spence. And then, uh, you know, the Charlo after, Charlo, Jermel Charlo after, you know, or, or Tim Zuer or whatever, you know. And that's why I think it was great that he wanted, you know, that they were able to have him start doing business with the BBC because if he wants to go to 54 – or if he wants a big fight like Thurman or something like that, it's 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 at the PBC. So, and we talked about how Crawford can really make some hay down the stretch of his career, and all of a sudden, not be the B side anymore, and, and all of a sudden have this late run, and he's taking so much care of his body because he eats, sleeps, and shits boxing that 
I'm not saying I want him around for four more years, right? I'm not saying he even has to stay around. If you want to retire after this or after the rematch, that's his prerogative. But I'll, and I will also say this: Do I think, uh, you know, think Crawford beats him at 54? I do. I think Styles make fights, and you know, would Spence maybe win a couple more round, you know, a round or two in the first six rounds or something or, or whatever? Sure, maybe, maybe. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Because ultimately, he's just it, the style is the style makes fights, and he was at a higher level. And the counterability, and especially when he was on his p's and q's when it came to his defense, when it came to his jab, and we already know the counter punching's there. He was setting traps wonderfully. He was taking good shots and bring and, and making sure any little momentum in some of those late rounds, and I mean little momentum when I say it, where he, you know, lands a couple good shots, right away Crawford would make sure, nope, this is still my round, and watch this, you know what I mean? So um, I'll tell you what, man, like I said, the NUA Crawford stuff, that was greatness. Before we get into this, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show directly there. Um, you can find the Rope Dope Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, uh, Google Poop Podcast, Poopcast Podcast, among several other options out there, Pod Bay, and a variety of other places while you're at it. Why don't you head on over to the gruelingtruth.com, Bill Boxing, and Eastside Boxing. One more thing, Direct TV, your TV, your way, live sports, news on, on demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Get thirty day, uh, $30 off your first three months, starting at $64.99 for those first three months. You can also start a free trial today and learn how a new subscriber can join the priority wait list for a free TV from telly. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So, you know, the first, when I, another thing Crawford did was stay in South Pie. He didn't mess around. He wasn't flip-flopping all the time. He stayed in what most people think, you know, he, he didn't, let's just put it this way. He stayed, you know, because a lot of times in the first, what, handful of rounds he's back forth orthodox south or he stayed in what he was good at right um but i'm telling you like he came out jabbing really well and like i said i was like okay you know that's that's really positive for him and it really made spence think about something as he's coming in now he started jabbing to the stomach uh, he got a, a couple of nice body shots. He landed a left to the head. You know, in the second half of the first round, could you give that to Spence? Yeah, sure, possibly you could give it give it to him because I do think he got off a couple of decent body shots that landed a little harder. But like I said, Crawford came out with that jab. And then sometime somewhat early in the second, there was a looping left hand that, you know, did pretty good. He was able to back up um, – uh, Crawford a little bit, and I felt he was start, he was winning the second round, and then the counter shot, I believe it was a right hand, knocked him down, and it was like it was one of those things where he got too aggressive, and we, we this is the thing about Spence, he, you know, the balance falling over his punches, and he got caught with a great counter shot, and 
you know, he bounced back pretty good in the third. He came out aggressive. He had him on the ropes a little bit. The last minute was like two-way stuff. It was actually a really fun round. Of course, the counter shots and the jab were there for Crawford in the third round. But like I said, the first and the third round, if you wanted to give some rounds dispense or a round dispense, the first or the third, and then that was it. That's the only two rounds, in my opinion, it pretty much is everyone I've talked to. Uh, you know, if you were going to give one at max two, but just one of those two, one or three. But after that, it was a wrap. And, you know, some of the things Spence did good after that knockdown, you know, um, in the second round, what he did in the third, and even what, it, you know, what he was doing before there, it's almost like he got too comfortable too quick. It's like, no, dude, you still have to worry about it. You can't just go in there trying to bully because Crawford is so damn sharp. And like I said, once he was on his jab that early and he was trying to win the early rounds, and I know that sounds weird, but we know Crawford the first couple rounds usually gives some away. And then he measures and then he goes. But he knew there's no way I'm going to get down three zip or anything like that. You know, there's just no way. And even if you were to give uh, Spence the first, you know, first and third, let's say, let's just say you, you were, it's still a tie fight after three because of the knockdown. So, but I, I really liked how he worried about early on, I'm going to try to win these early rounds. I'm not just going to give away anything. And, uh, you know, for some, for the for success that Spence had after that bounce back, you know, after the second round knockdown, the fourth round, at that time, clearly the best round for Crawford. I mean, he came out, those left hook counters, and like I said, that steady jab, um, it was, you know, it was really impressive. Um, in the fifth round, and really the rest of the fight, Spence would have these little moments, right? But Crawford would just take it right away, like I said at the opening of the show. He'd take it right away, and even if he did get a, a nice shot on him, he would make sure to land a bigger one. You're like, ooh, he took a good shot. Okay, yep, Crawford. Crawford's not going to lose this round either, you know, because he just he would do it. So there'd be these little pockets of two-way. And there was a moment where Spence was kind of circling and trying to get his jab established and not trying to be aggressive, and that didn't really work, right? And so near, you know, as the sixth and the seventh and eighth, then Spence was like, well, you know, <laughs> at this point, I might as well just go for it because what, I mean, what, why not? You know, um, there was a, a left hand straight left hand in this little roundhouse left hand that he kept landing that did back uh, Spence on the ropes. Once he started getting on the ropes too, you knew that was going to be problems. Um, and I think it was at the, let me look in the seventh round, the 150 mark. Yeah. 150 mark scored a knockdown uh, with a right hand. I think it was a right hook. Kind of like, actually, right uppercut, kind of a 45. Um, and kind of like knocked him across uh, the ring on that one. Um, so, yeah, it was a, kind of a hook uppercut. I think they, you know, a lot of people call those 45s. Um, and then, you know, right at the end of the round, it was like a right hook, and then it was open again. So he threw it again, and he went down pretty hard after that one, too. And like I said, Spence was showing hard. You know, he didn't take a knee and just, you know, give up or anything like that. Um, even when the ref or the doctor, you know, tried to look at him, he's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, um, 
Some people thought the fight could have been stopped earlier in the seventh round or whatever. That, that's fair. You know, that's fair. Um, usually when it comes to this type of fight, you know, they do tend to go a little further, you know. Um, some people right away, though, were, were saying stuff like, oh, they should have let Spence, you know, go out on a shield. It's like, dude, he went out on a shield, man. I mean, he's it wasn't like one – if it was just that first knockdown that it didn't look like Spence was really, really hurt, you know, okay, sure, that'd be different. But it wasn't. It was big shots upon big shots upon big shots, and there was knockdowns too. So it was a combination. And there was a handful of shots that I'm like, how is he standing right now? I can't believe he's standing because Crawford is just, you know, basically decapitated. Yeah, I mean, it was nasty. So 185 to 96, very efficient. And, you know, the, the body work was really the only thing Spence had, 37 to 18. But the way he took away his jab and kept on his jab, that was huge from Crawford. And, you know, the, the copy box is just a guideline to look at and to kind of find little stuff. But 50% overall, we're not talking about power shots, people. 50% Overall punches landed to 20%. You, it is very rare at a, on a high-level fight to see that differential. It, it is very, very rare. And I did actually get some grief some, from some people when I po- posted that stat. Listen, it is what it is. Like that, I'm just pointing that out. I'm not saying, man, this is why Crawford won because of this. We already know why he won, but God, that is some domination, 50% to 20%. I mean, just to, if, putting that in, it, it's tough. It's actually extremely tough unless you're just, unless it's a quick fight that ends in the second round, right? Or it's just a mismatch where a prospect is trying to come, you know, become a contender and it's just like I'm getting an eight-rounder in or you just demolish somebody. Okay, that's a little different, but I'm saying on the championship level to land overall 50% of your fucking shots to 20, that shit is rare. And like I said, no, it was not a great fight. Neither of those fights were great fights. I understand that, right? I get when, when people say, oh, I wanted to see a great fight. I hear you, but you can't deny the greatness. So you're either going to see a great fight or maybe great little moments because there were some fun moments to Spence and Crawford. It's just, that's greatness. So we didn't see a great fight, but we saw greatness. And Crawford and Inouye showed their greatness. And like I said earlier, I don't care where you rank them all time. I don't care where they're in your, where Crawford is in on your all-time uh you know, welterweight list. I don't care if you think he can beat Floyd Mayweather or whatever. You got you, you say now he's going to beat Sharon. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care. You know, I personally think Crawford is number one pound for pound. But like I said, if you had in before this week, if you had Inouye number one and Crawford number two, I could see you staying with the order. Vice versa, if you had Crawford number one going into these fights then how can you knock him off, you know? But it really just shows you what Crawford did because, like I said earlier, dude, it, it was so hard to think that you're, someone was going to outperform what Inouye did in that fight. 
and Crawford did, which is like, wow, you know? And so that, that's, that's just something that you really have to respect. And like I said, Fulton and, and Spence, they kept going. They showed heart. If you thought that fight was stopped early, I don't know, man. I really don't know. I, I, did you want to see him concussed? Is that what it was? You just didn't get the highlight reel knockout? Um, because there's plenty of fucking highlights in that damn fight, dude. So I, I, that's just being greedy. And, it's not, you know, it's beyond greedy, actually. It's kind of like, well, dude, come on now. Do, do you really, like, it was over. The fight was over, you know. Um, I, I was fine with the stoppage. If they would have stopped it a little early, I'd have been okay with it. If they would have let it go a little bit longer, I'd have been okay with it. But you didn't really need much more damage. The damage was done. And I'm also a person that's not going to hate on Spence if he wants the rematch. Now, if I was advising him, you know, would I say you shouldn't? Yeah, I I wouldn't say you should. But, you know, let's say this happened to Crawford. He's stubborn, too. He probably would want the rematch, you know. I can't, like, when big fights happen, we know that it was a two-way, it was a very fair rematch clause. If he's going to rematch it, cool. I mean, at least it's done by December. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it, to be honest with you. Like I said, though, like, should he go to 54 and fight somebody else right now? Yeah, he should. He probably should. And then look for Tim Zhu or whatever, you know? Cool. Yeah, I think he probably should do that, but I'm not going to dog him if he, if he does because obviously we know it's still got some money in it, you know. Now, you can only – like how much will it sell again? That will be an interesting thing because, of course, the angle that will be taken is, well, it's at 54 now, so I'm healthier. Well, yeah, like I said in the front of the show, yeah, I'm sure Spence will feel better at 54, right? I, I'm sure he will, but – I, you know, obviously that it's not going to sell as well. It'll still do huge numbers uh, compared to, to other fights. You know, there's not many fights that do 300,000 buys and above or even do uh, 6 million at the gate and above. There's just not that many out there, right? So, um, but I, yeah, I, I won't, I won't sit there and destroy him. And, and it, what, could it be a dumb decision? Sure. You know, I'm not saying I won't be critical of like, man, I don't know. You should you should just go to 54. There's plenty of guys to fight there, dude. You could finish your career there. Um, because like even Crawford said, dude, 40, you know, he's a big dude too. Like 47 is getting tougher for him to make. It may not be as tough, but still tough. He's a big dude. So, and he was already had plans to go into 54. Uh, he said this a year ago. So anyway, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to get to John here and then Carcino. Uh, we'll go in order of call here. Hey, how you doing, John? What's going on? Chris, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Not bad. How was vacation? I was actually on vacation myself, just kind of fitting it in um, throughout the week. Yeah, sometimes I can fit it in, but uh, last week, even with all we had coming up, uh, in addition to the vacation, had family coming down at the time of the show, so there just ended up being – no way I could get it in, um, but ready to go this week, and I, uh, hopefully you're having a good vacation. Uh, usually it's not too bad to, to slip it in on vacation, but uh, last week there was just uh, no way I could get it in. Oh, yeah, no, and that's cool, too. Like I said, I just did that show, 
and then did a production blog. And I, I didn't really do much that week either. I was, I was chilling. So I, I actually was north, northern Minnesota and southern Minnesota by the Mississippi River and Lake Superior. So I was uh, on a little vacation myself. And you got to take advantage of it, especially when you live in a cold weather state. You got to take advantage of this time frame, that's for sure. Um, let's before we get to Inuit and Fulton, let's go Spence and Crawford, and we can you know we can talk about the rest of the card too. But uh, let's start with uh, the top of the uh, the card. Yeah, uh, impressive domination by Terrence Crawford, complete beat down, showed his greatness, reminded me just in, in terms of history, the way it played out a little bit, you know, when Bernard Hopkins was middleweight champ and he was making all those IBF defenses and his opposition, you know, wasn't, wasn't really the greatest, but then he got the crack at Trinidad, you know, in Madison Square Garden for the, you know, undisputed and the Lindell the lineal middleweight championship and he came in as an underdog and pulled off a surprisingly dominant performance and got the knockout. It kind of validated everything he did before that, you know, kind of like the opposite way of, you know, you know, when, and at least in the old days in the normal circumstances, of course you had a, a dominant champion who, you know, picked up, picked up the real title, then made a bunch of defenses. He's kind of the opposite. Not that Crawford didn't beat some good opposition, but, you know, he had 10 straight welterweight KOs before Spence. Spence ended up becoming victim number 11. It, it validated, you know, Crawford's whole whole welterweight career. Of course, at 140 pounds, he, you know, became the, the champion, the number one guy there. Then lightweight, another traditional division was at the top so his greatness has pretty much been established I thought you know the whole fight except I gave Spence the first round but I thought the whole evening turned out to be a disaster for him uh, you know and, and Spence is you know in the last 10 years on a personal level he's been one of my favorite fighters so you know what I'm ever what I'm going to say in my evaluation of it I think people and even put more weight on it because I'm a guy that's been a huge, you know, Errol Spence fan. Like I said, he's been really one of my favorite fighters to watch over the last 10 years. But, you know, first round, I, I gave it to him, but he didn't look spectacular, but, but I thought he did enough. But, you know, in the second round, Chris, you know, I was listening to your breakdown, and, of course, Spence got dropped. Really, of course, the fact he, he got dropped, you know, never really good. But what really got disturbing for me for Spence right there and where I did start getting concerned for him at that point, and, you know, that was part of my pre-fight breakdown. I, I did pick Spence. You know, I thought it was tough after he'd had the accident in the retina, saw him get buckled against Ugas, but had so much faith in him. Crawford at, you know, 36. I thought Spence would have enough to pull out the win didn't pick him by KO or anything like that. But in the second round when he went down and you heard, you know, Crawford in the post fight, even himself talk about Spence being a little off balance. Spence's corner said it afterward, but 
during that round when he went down, even though when he initially went down, I thought his balance might have been a little off. When he got up, that's why I got even more disturbed. He, he wasn't reacting well. Like, you know, I, I heard your categorization, Chris, and that's what I even felt at the time. It was kind of strange because you thought he looked like he was just kind of got caught off balance, kind of rushing in a little bit. But then when he got up, yeah, he did make it through the round and stuff, but I, I didn't think he was responding well. Like, he, he looked, for, for what that shot was, he looked real hurt to me. He didn't look sturdy. That's the way I put it after the fight. That's a good way and to put it. Way. He didn't look sturdy. Yeah, I like that. I, that's a good term. Had, yeah, I like that one for certain situations, Chris. It doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, sometimes it's when a guy is starting to look shot or maybe the chin looks shot. In Spence's case, well, it does feel a little bit after the fact, and it's very tricky to analyze. I mean, I'll be the first to say, I thought when he fought Danny Garcia, not that Danny Garcia is anywhere the fighter that Terrence Crawford is, but because Spence was coming off that accident, you had those reports that he he was unconscious for a long period of time. They had him unconscious, um, you know, my own experience as a personal injury attorney on the injured person side, deposing a lot of, lot of, you know, neurologists over the years, top neurologists, you know, and I, admittedly I was speculating some, and there were some other knowledge of people that were saying, well, you know, he's been cleared to fight. They wouldn't put him out there if that were the case. And, and frankly, after then watching him get the win over, you know, Danny Garcia, I thought, well, that looked like that was the right take. I, I overplayed it, and then Ugas, you know, what he did to Ugas looked good. He ended up stopping him, and Ugas is a tough fighter. But, again, you and I have talked about this a lot of times since. We both had concerns. You know, Ugas was was never a big puncher. He was an okay puncher at best. And, you know, we've seen that replay a bunch of times. The all-access showed it again. You know, Spence got caught by Ugas, and, and he had the strange reaction. You know, he, he just – it was a really strange reaction, like, you know, you know, he there was, you know, which of course in boxing you're taking head trauma and you're, you know, like where he got jarred neurologically, and frankly, even though it wasn't because of an accident, there was an example of that on the undercard. We'll get to it later, but where Tayez nailed Garcia with that overhand right bomb so perfectly on the button. You could see he didn't know what the hell he was doing after that. I mean, even when the fight got stopped, he was he was rushing at him like trying to tackle him. He didn't know where the hell he was. He didn't know what was going on after he got caught with that first shot. So, getting back, you know, then Spence. So, so the second round to me, even though that knockdown, you wanted to say off balance, Spence's reaction just wasn't good after that. And then to me, after that point, I gave him nothing. I I saw again, and I've been a a big fan of Spence throughout his career, a lot of faith in his abilities. He, I just thought it was a complete beatdown after that. Crawford was masterful. You know, the accuracy was unbelievable. Spence couldn't get anything going. And what was disturbing, too, even though he hadn't done it in recent years that much because his calling card, and rightfully so, became the high-volume aggression body attack with strength, power, and skill but early in his career, Spence really, very early, Spence really boxed a lot. I mean, before he was even fighting anybody who was a name, I almost thought he was going to be a dull boxer 
And it was then that I saw him start to bring the volume, the body attack, the aggression with that boxing skill. But why I'm mentioning it with this fight is, even though he hadn't done it for a long time, Spence, you know, he was an Olympian. He, he had the amateur pedigree. Very early in his career, I'd seen him just rely on outboxing guys. I think, as you alluded to, he was trying to see when he couldn't get anything going if that would work, and it didn't. And he was just – he wasn't effective doing that either. And, you know, when he was doing his normal aggressive style, he was taking shots constantly – getting rocked by Crawford. He didn't look sturdy, really then repeatedly, you know, of course, repeatedly dropped. Chase got busted up. He wasn't landing. I mean, that was what was disturbing, too. Uh, you know, I've seen other people who've watched him closely. There were fans of his, other boxers even saying. And, of course, a lot of that's because he's in with Crawford. But as great as Crawford is, Crawford's 36 as well. You know, he's not a kid. And, you know, Spence couldn't land. You know, he was, he was you know, just, just getting beat to the punch, getting countered. Um, there were no combinations coming from him. That, that to me, really stood out, too. I, I was looking at him thinking, gosh, you know, is Crawford just so good that he, he, he's just so afraid of getting countered? And it might very well have been that, but it just also looked like there was just no, just no reflexes there, uh, you know, he had that look of a guy, you know, with his kind of signature overhand left that he would land on the butt and hurt people with. He he kept loading up, going with it. And I didn't fault him for that. It's, it's you know, arguably his best power shot. That, you know, the, the, his right hook to the body's always been good, but that wasn't there. And he, Crawford just kept blocking that left. I mean, it, it was, you know, Spence was always an accurate guy, a high-volume accurate guy, and he wasn't landing at all. And it just seemed like then, and rightfully so, he couldn't go to anything. There was just nothing working, and, and Crawford was landing. Crawford, contrary to Spence, he looked very sturdy. You know, he wasn't getting moved by anything. He he looked strong on his feet, sturdy, even though he was the guy that, you know, started out in the lightweight division. He, he was the sturdy guy in there, and that was what was really shocking, too, that not that Crawford – has ever not been sturdy, but, you know, we're at welterweight now, and he's the older guy and the guy coming up from lightweight originally, and, and he was the much sturdier guy in there. And it just became a total beatdown. As you had mentioned, some people saying, you know, I wasn't calling for it, but if that fight would have been stopped earlier than it was, uh, I wouldn't have had any complaints. The, the one thing I can give Spence on the night that you said, Chris, and some people are saying it, but not all, but I'm going to say it. I mean, the one thing you, you can give the guy is the effort was there until the fight was stopped. I mean, he, he never stopped trying. Like you say, he never, he never took a knee, never quit. He never gave the body language of a quit. And it resulted in him taking a beating. That's the hard part of, of being a top-level boxer who's got that kind of mentality and pride is it is also the most right. dangerous sport. And, and he took a tremendous amount of shots, a tremendous pounding from Crawford get, and, you know, getting hurt with a lot of the shots. It was a, it was a horrible beat down. And, you know, mercifully really stopped at that point, you know, shocking how dominant it was by Crawford, uh, you know, on, on the, in the ring. So, Cause even though it's the trainer, it's in the ring, you know, Chris, I do this in all sports, you know, I, with a coach or in football, you know, baseball, basketball, trainer in boxing, they get credit when things go well, 
you know, the really top ones especially, and rightfully so. But, you know, when things do go bad, you, you can't, you can't, I don't think you can then be immune from getting the criticism either. And what I'm getting to in this fight is I like listening to the corners. I think for hardcore observers like ourselves and people who analyze, it is important. And with the modern coverage, you, you do get a good listen to that most of the time nowadays. I didn't think James had any answers. You know, I mean, he, he trainer of the year. I mean, you know, you, you're going to get credit when Spence wins. You're going to get credit when, you know, Jermell Charlo wins, Frank Martin wins. Frank Martin just had a, a rough time with an unheralded opponent. Um, I thought the instruction was a little better in that fight. But, you know, and, and James' first fight with Joshua, we've got to see what happens down the road. But with Franklin, he won that fight easily, but wasn't impressive. There, there didn't seem to be that much uh, there. I mean, hey, you're not going to be perfect. Uh you know, James has gotten this great stable going, and, you know, who knows? He may steer Jermel Charlo uh, over Canelo, and we'll forget about this, or I'll forget about this. But I think you got, I think it's got to be both ways. You know, he's coming off trainer of the year. Uh, he can't fight for Spence, but there were no – I didn't hear any answers in there. It just seemed, you know, he, he was kind of getting technical. But, you know, it, it's hard for a guy – you know, Spence is taking a beating. It's hard to – be making all these technical adjustments it's, it's not that you don't want to tell him something he might be able to do that is important but you know i've seen this come up in all sports especially you know you see it in baseball where you got a guy throwing 100 miles an hour at you you know now even in a college game i mean you, you can't be yelling things to a guy during the at bat you know that that's where almost it does have to be a combination of something motivational so i go back to the all-time great emmanuel stewart he, he always just seem to have a great balance of that i think he he knew in the fight you're 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 trying to you're trying to get the feel of what you you want the guy to do but you you almost have to at that point you know you know give him an idea of what's what's going on and what the what the gravity is at that point and i i just heard a bunch of different things coming from james in the corner and and you know it was just such a bad night for spence that 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 stuck out to me as well but no excuses in the sense that not going to take anything away from Terrence Crawford. I'm with the vast majority and probably everybody else on this one. I mean, just a great performance. You know, he's proved his greatness. There's just no doubt about it with all he's accomplished. This was really the kind of capper he arguably needed, and he, he got it. And, you know, he performed. We'll take nothing away from Crawford's spectacular performance. I mean, there's no doubt we are going to analyze it, that a lot of what happened to Errol Spence had to do with Terrence Crawford because he got by Danny Garcia, he got by your Dennis Ugas, and he got dominated and beat up by Terrence Crawford. So there's obviously a massive part in this that Terrence Crawford played, but we're never really going to know you know, what role did the accident with Spence end up playing, the detached retina? Again, it had to be a Terrence Crawford's greatness being a massive factor, taking nothing away. But I'm getting to that again because you don't like to say it. And, you know, with the kind of money these guys are getting, you know, they're not going to get that if they retire, no matter what else they do. I mean, Errol Spence isn't going to get that. So I understand that, you know, he's got, a rematch clause he can exercise and then gets that payday. 
it's not going to be what it was for this one, but it's still going to be, you know, bigger than any other payday he's going to get. But he's 33 years old, getting old for a welterweight. You know, he's had the horrible car accident where there had to be some kind of head injury there based on that unconsciousness, serious eye injury, the detached retina, which they can handle much better than they could 40 years ago, but still something very serious. It would seem to me from the outside um, that this would be a good time to retire. I don't think, I don't think it's the weight on this one. Um, I don't think, like you said, Chris, I mean, that'll take care of itself. I mean, if they fight at 154 pounds and Spence turns it around, I'll stand corrected uh, with my comments tonight because you have to go on what plays out. You can't be too stubborn. So, but I don't think that is going to happen. So, I just think really, you know, if he can, we don't know the monetary situation with, you know, what you make after you pay your trainers, your expenses, your taxes. It's not going to be as much as people think, even with the money a guy like Errol Spence made. So that's not just like wasting money like people think automatically. I mean, even if you're you're pretty good and you have pretty good advisors or you're pretty good yourself, you know, you don't know what's left over can see how it would be tempting to say, well, I'm going to get in there one more time, at least get that payday. But it, if you, it is true of what they'll say sometimes, you know, if you don't have the health to spend it, what the hell good does it do? So um, that's or, a good you know, point. Take care of your family. And, and I would think really, because look, look, I'm going to look at this one this way. I mean, if Spence didn't have the, let, let's even look at it this way as well. If Spence didn't have the accident and he didn't have the detached, re, detached retina, but he was, 33 and just took the beating he took from Terrence Crawford, you'd be saying maybe it's not a good idea to get in with this guy again and you're 33. If you got the money there, maybe you want to call it a day. Now, in Errol Spence's case, we know he's had the accident and the detached retina as well. So I think really he and the people around him really ought to be – they already talk talking rematch. I mean, I'm kind of trying to ignore it. I mean, I've, I've already probably gotten my answer. I mean, right after the fight, he's already saying rematch, and James is talking about it. I don't like it. You know, I don't like the idea from the outside. And, you know, I, I'm going I'm to be consistent in the sense that I don't always say that. It depends what plays out. I did think Serge, Sergei, Kovalev, Sergei Kovalev, when he lost to Alvarez, I said, I think he ought to take the rematch, you know, McGirt. We brought in McGirt. You know, he could probably do something different. He did. Um, you and I both agreed, thinking it over. And there's people that disagree with us, Chris, a lot, a lot, frankly, but we'll stick to what we're thinking. We both thought it over and said, you know, Joyce is at an advanced age, but Zhang's older. You know, he got caught early. He's not, you know, Joyce isn't getting any younger either. He was at the top of the division. Take this rematch, see if you can turn this thing around. That's what he's done. Maybe it doesn't work out, but I think that in his case, that's the right decision. So I, I'm not always looking at it that way, but I just I think in Spence's case, no. I, I just think I don't think he can turn it around. This was not, there was nothing positive there. So when there's nothing positive like that, right? And you know maybe maybe that's what you were getting to with the weight, Chris. Like, yeah, I mean, there's got to almost be something behind the scenes that they know that nobody else knows, where they're saying, oh yeah, we, we can. We can turn this around if blank happens this time. Uh, well, we'd but... have to see it in the ring. 
you know, to not <laughs> yeah. use it as an excuse, you know, because it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. if you beat him at 54, then we'll go say it's a reason. But until then, it's like we can't use that as an excuse because you signed the piece of paper. And there's really some, over, you know, over-the-top everything, right? There's some people that are just over-the-top, and I did get some messages saying it was the way it was the way to like, dude, it doesn't matter if it was the way. He signed the damn contract. That's all that matters. Yeah, I, I mean, right. I mean, I, I don't think I, myself. Again, with all these other factors with Spence, I just, I just don't think it's the weight because. No. And we're talking about style. weight, even though it gets. Yeah, it, it, even though it gets harder for these guys. I mean, let, let's think about what we're really talking about when making weight, and you know. I, Person, you you know this stuff from the, your wrestling background and things too, but this just is true. I'm I'm not saying it's easy at all, uh, but when you when you know when, when in life you know you have a target weight and it's a, a certain amount of months in advance. I'm not saying it's easy. Like I'm not pulling one of these rah rah guys screaming that it's you know like like it's easy. It's just simple. Like but it's hard. It's the old thing. That, that you hear, which is a good way of putting these things sometimes. It's simple, but not easy. In other words, when Spence knows he's got to make 147, he's got a certain amount a month in, in advance, well, you, you just simply know you can only eat a certain amount of calories a day, and you know, you're going to make you're going to make 147. I mean, in other words, simple, but not easy. So, when yeah, and he didn't fade down the stretch. You know, if he was up on the, you know, if he was up after the eight rounds or something, and then he faded down the stretch, well, then at least you could make an argument. Hey, it was a, it was a four-four fight. It looked like he just faded. You know, okay, then you could maybe say, well, fifty-four might be better for him. Well, you know, but if that wasn't the case, right? It was, it was a domination. Yeah, or if you're having that much trouble, what I'm saying is, even again. It's simple but not easy, you know. You know if you're if you're eating certain amount of calories a day, and you get started so much in advance, you know you're going to make 147 on an even keel. So I guess what I'm saying again, I'm not there, but like if you know three weeks before the fight you had an ice cream, I'm making something up, but you know you had an ice cream binge or something like that. Well, yeah, sure, you're going to be more. You're going to be more drained closer to the fight than making one. But that's not only an issue about making 147. It's that you ate five pints of ice cream, you know, two weeks before the fight. I, I mean, I'm again, simple but not e- not easy. I, I'm not saying it's easy. We're just human beings, even even great fighters, you know. Um, so, you know, in other words, he, he's made 147 a lot of times. So. Yeah, it does get somewhat tougher as you get older, but you, you, you kind of know those calculations. And we saw in the all-access, he's got a nutritionist cooking for him and everything. So, you know, that that means, in theory, that would have been calculated, too, that if you just ate what the nutritionist made you and that was it, you're not going to have any problems. So I'm not I'm not sitting there in the camp with him, but I'm just saying that, if there was that much trouble, then there, there might have been some other issues with, you know, what are you doing about your eating and things like that. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, I just, I don't see some, some ones I can see how it might turn around. I don't see it on this one. I could see it 
here, here's the thing. I'm not recommending this, but this is even why I would not, if I were to take that rematch. If you want to, if I wanted to draw up a scenario where he might be able to avenge this loss someday, it would be more like you go fight at 154 and 160, right. and then you Get fight a couple Crawford good wins. 30, yeah, and Crawford's 38. Like it's kind of like. When when Hopkins sure. fought Roy Jones the second time and Roy Jones had nothing right, left, yeah. I mean, sure he had nothing, he avenged it, but it was at a higher weight class and uh, Jones had nothing left. Right. Because you know right. Jones mostly dominated that fight the first time; it was a clear win for him. So you know it wasn't this kind of a beatdown. But I, I, I'm not recommending that either. But I'm the immediate rematch in this case. I don't see it. So. On Crawford's end, then I was just kind of creatively thinking the last couple of days, you know, what could he do? Let's say if if Spence then had a second thought and, and sat down with some people and said, nah, I, I'm not going to do this. Um, you know, because Charlo's not available. He's, he's fighting Canelo, and I'm thinking if Crawford's going to fight again this year. I thought, because I, this is just me personally, I, I and, and look, Terrence Crawford's earned it, and he's a great fighter. I'm not saying I'm making a pick, but, like, you know, Boots Ennis, there's no risk-reward for Crawford in the fall. Like, I mean, people talking that. I mean, to me, that's a come on, you know. Terrence Crawford just came up, you know, this was obviously tense, you know, having to fight Spence, biggest fight of his career, everything on the line, and coming out a win. You know, is he, is he going to really want to take on Boots Ennis in the fall? No, my answer is, on that is just a clear no. I mean, the risk, he's not going to say that, but the risk reward's just not there. He's not going to get enough reward for Ennis to make it worth it. So I thought PBC's got a mayor, middle waiver's absolutely nothing, as we all know. I, I thought, you know, Adamus used to be a welterweight. I'm not saying they'll do this, but I was thinking creatively. You know, Transnational's got him ranked number two. The ring's got him three, and, you know, Golovkin's at one in the ring in transnational. He's not, he may not fight again. He's certainly not going to fight again at middleweight. So I thought, heck, Terrence Crawford undefeated 11 straight welterweight KOs. That, that, would, be, that would be kind of old school if he went out and just decided in the fall there might be some interest because of the, making a debut at middleweight, taking on Adamas. I, I believe it's the guy he could beat. Um, throwing it out there, not saying it will happen, but I, I think that people... And he did just fight last month, too, so they'd be on the same timeline. You know, people have said, well, if you wanted to, you know, go up to what you're talking about, you could get the Lara Garcia winner, but they still have yet to fight. So the Adamas, that would make more sense because he just fought, too. Right, and it, same timeline like you said, and, you know, I don't care about the alphabet stuff, but the alphabet's as we agree, they make up what they want. Jamal, Jamal Charlo is not anywhere near close to fighting. So I don't care about this stuff, but for alphabet people out there, I mean, I don't really see why the WBC then just couldn't say. I mean, they make shit up. You just got to say it. Let's face it. You know, oh, Adamus is full middleweight champ. You know, Jamal Charlo is champ in recess. They do this, they do this nonsense all the time, you know. So – I don't care about that, but for alphabet people that care about such things, I mean, it just doesn't seem to me like it would be that far-fetched in that. Because 
I, I look at Boots as not realistic for the risk-reward for Crawford in the fall. Thurman. There is Thurman, he, obviously. Yeah, Thurman's gotten the exposure, and I know that's where PBC likes to use him in these kind of spots, but I just I just don't think that's, you know, I mean, with what he just did to Spence, and Thurman's only 5'7", um, Crawford's even taller than him. I, I, it's just, it's a massacre. So I don't know if we could sell that one. Um, and then, you know, how much, how much else really, you know, then, you know, people then just throw names out there where not really probably wouldn't. Yeah. Happen, I mean, Tim Zoo at 54 obviously would be an option. He'll probably, he'll probably, you know, he'll have a belt, you know, he'll have a belt. Right. I mean, Zoo could, I mean, that's true. I mean, that, that would be, and you know, and Crawford should have too much for him, but that could be sold. And you're right. I mean, I, I got to be fair. It's not like they couldn't do a Tim Zoo full belt thing, <laughs> full belt thing the way they make stuff up anyway. Well, it sounds so, like they're going to strip Charlo once he, like, let him walk in as undisputed, you know, because it's September 30th or whatever. Right. You know, the date. Right. And they'll probably stick to it this time just because. Right. I guess I guess I couldn't. I guess I couldn't really eliminate Zoo because that would sell. So I, I guess I, I kind of eliminate him. But when you when you mention it, you're right. I mean, if Zoo as tough as Crawford is, it would pay enough. He you figure he'd take it. So and Crawford would probably think, yeah, I can beat this guy. He, he doesn't even with the guys he's fought lately. He doesn't have the experience to beat me. Um, so maybe yeah yeah. I mean, I, I guess I couldn't. I guess I couldn't rule that one out either. Um, but Crawford at, at the age he's at, even though he, he looks just like he's at the top of his game, it's still, it's not an age to be played around with, with wasting time. So I'm kind of you know trying to look at fights where there's a balance of being a big enough sell because also if he's going to fight with PBC again, and you know, probably both parties there are going to say, well, we want it. We, we probably want Bud at this point to have enough of a fight where it's going to be a pay-per-view. Um, right. You know, West fans, we don't always like that, but that's probably what they would be doing. So it, it's got to be enough to at least sell a pay per view. So the, these are kind of kind of ideas. But uh, summing it up, I mean, you know, spectacular performance by Crawford, no doubt about it. Uh, Errol Spence, he was in with a great fighter, but it just it just looked it looked bad enough that does seem off where from the outside it seems like this would be a good time to be the end the end of the line for him and say hey i've had a i've had a great really good to great career and um you know short against crawford but but that's it i mean look you know mike michael spinks had a better career a great career two-time lineal champ at light heavyweight and heavyweight which is amazing but you know he lost to mike tyson he said that's it and he never did come back so you know, Hagler looked shot against Leonard. You know, I thought he did enough to edge it out. You know, we can debate that for all time, but he looked terrible, um, and he never fought again. I, 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 I've always been at the belief Hagler just knew that. You know what I mean? He, he knew he didn't have it anymore. So that's that's why he never did come back again after that. So it's rare, but it, but it can be done. So uh, I think for Spence, those would probably be the good examples at this point. So I'm in a little bit of a time crunch tonight. I got to fit some folks in Carcino's next. Then we have Vic after that. Let you can kind of 
breeze through the undercard, however you want to do that, and then we'll talk anyway in Fulton, sir. Sounds good. Yeah, I'd like to just touch on the anyway Fulton, but the undercard did catch all that. Um, there was entertainment value there. Uh, the opener of the main paper, pay-per-view undercard, I mean, KS looks spectacular. Take it out, Sergio Garcia, and he's going to join Andy Cruz, another Cuban, as my poster fighters for the we don't need all these learning, quote-unquote, learning fights against guys who are 10 and 10, wasting our time, uh, especially a lot of these, these ESPN Plus undercards. I mean, and enough, of, enough of that stuff. Look, look at what these two guys just did. You know, they, I mean, Lutea's KO of Garcia was spectacular. So uh, that was an awesome opener, a guy that we're, we all have to pay attention to now. Um, and then you had, um, you know, Donaire against Santiago. You know, not, not a bad fight, but a fight that uh, Donaire clearly lost. Got off to a decent start, but I, I actually kind of thought Donaire's own post-fight analysis was pretty good. In the early rounds, he was getting that left hook in as a counter, and he he just kind of kept waiting to do that, and he just faded after a few rounds. It just it just really – and, you know, Donaire, 40-year-old bantamweight, that's that's something you rarely see. And and that uh, that that faded, and Santiago Santiago clearly won the fight. I mean, you know, he's he's okay. He's he's nothing spectacular, and he clearly won it. So, uh, you know, look, Donaire, it's amazing. He's he's gone to age forty at that low of a weight. But let, let's keep that in mind a little bit too when you go back on those inner fights. And you know, it's a couple of years, but still, I mean, you know, Donaire's been. You know, you know. Now you look at the kind of whole body. You know, in recent years, I mean, he, he's been losing about as much as he wins. So, but let's let's keep keep a little perspective on that when we're when we're talking about uh, quality of opposition. Even though he is an all-time great, I mean, I I I've enjoyed watching the guy. Uh, I think it's time he should call it a day. But he he's been a class act, and uh, I I've enjoyed watching him. Definitely an all-time great, no doubt about that. And it was surprising at his age as well that he was able to move back down the bantamweight and, and be as effective as he was. So you give him credit there. Uh, then the Isak Cruz fight, Cabrera, I didn't think it was as close as the judges, you know, Feldman had Cabrera win. I didn't see that. But I think I was even debating a guy I do respect about this a couple hours ago um, who has a different opinion. But you know, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before, Chris, when we've talked about Isak Cruz, you know, as great as Tank Davis is, what's funny is, I mean, he's a better style matchup for Isak Cruz than some of these taller guys. Now, when Cruz has fought some of these taller guys like Cabrera, he gets the win. You know, to me, it's clear he wins, but he doesn't look as good. And then you have a lot of fans saying, oh, I'm disappointed in Isak Cruz. You know, he's the pit bull, this destroyer. You know, what was it? Well, you know the the guy's five four. I mean, when he when he's he can get the win, but you know when he when he's fighting guys that are you know five inches taller than him, I mean he, he with that punching up he he can't get that he can't get that same kind of leverage where he gets that same pop. You know he he he's got enough effort and enough motor to get the win, but it, it's not the same look. 
but but when he fights somebody close to his height, you know, Tank Davis is only five five, um, and other guys who have been around that fight that have have fought him get destroyed. Um, you know, he 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 can punch. He's got the right angles there, and then 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 that power comes off, and he's very dangerous. I mean, you know, Tank Davis, a top fighter. I mean, you know, he he had the he had to box the guy a lot, and uh, you know, it was a tough, close fight. It was really Tank's toughest fight. So what I'm saying is, I I don't agree with the take that like, oh, I don't want to see Tank fight Cruz again. Cruz didn't look that good. That's a waste. I don't see it that way. I I think it's a style matchup thing there where, and I think Tank would even look at it the same way. I don't think he'd be taking the guy lightly. So, you know, you and I have been saying we're we're almost on an island with it, but I think I'll stick to what you and I have been saying. I think that rematch is going to happen. I still think it's going to happen, but I still think it's a, it's a pretty good fight. I mean, he's been, he's been Tank's toughest opponent. And I think it's a styles thing where he's going to be tough for him again because of the style matchup. It's definitely so, sellable too, you know. I agree. I think it sells. I actually think it sells more than people think. I think when that one gets closer, I think that would sell. So um, yep. that was my take on the uh, undercard. And then um, I was kind of doing some stuff, adjusting some stuff. Um, anyway, Fulton. Right. Anyway, Fulton. A great, a great, you know, finish by Inouye. Uh, I think my main take from that fight was because this to me, even though, you know, I really I picked Inouye to win. Uh, I thought Fulton would probably be able to go the distance with him. He he obviously was not. So that my take with this fight was, Inouye was able to dispose of Fulton like he disposed of the other guys that he fought. And that meant a lot to me in analyzing it because there, to me there was a little twinge of doubt there where, you know, it was kind of getting like, you know, Manny Rodriguez was his best opponent. You know, he's a solid fighter. He's got a Showtime appearance coming up where he's fighting for a vacant alphabet bantamweight belt. But And he blew him away. But, you know, that that, that was like really the best guy he had fought, I, I think. Because Donaire – even though he's got the pop, I mean, still 38 year old bantamweight, you know, who'd had, had to move back down. I, I just, I just, I, I can't get that part of that out of my mind. That's still stuck there, no matter how, you know, people were valuing him at that point. Um, but now with an undefeated, you know, guy like Fulton, who wasn't an advanced age, you know, 29 years old in a way finished him the same way. Now, I don't. I think you don't have to like. I agree with you, Chris, and other people. You don't have to get obsessed with comparing them or anything. But but I think you still do have to keep credibility. I don't think. I think people kind of preloaded that Crawford or Spence wasn't going to perform better than that, and Crawford did perform better than that. He fought the better fighter. Yeah. Errol Spence was a much more dangerous opponent than Fulton, without a doubt. From that's what makes Crawford performance so dynamic too. You're like, wow, he actually did it, you know. After right. what we saw on the, Tuesday, you know, that was a that was a tough hurdle after what we saw on Tuesday from anyway. It, it was. And and he was fighting a guy who and, and it's tougher in Crawford's situation to do it because he was fighting a guy that had firepower. So he had to worry what was coming back at him. I mean, you don't have to worry what's coming at you from Stephen Fulton. I mean that's that's just a fact. Now 
Um, another difference for me in that fight was if you would have given anyway every round, which some people did, I wouldn't have said you were crazy, but I think what wasn't fair was I think that there – and I don't think that it was that – Either guy was that spectacularly effective at those points, but I think there were three rounds there that you could have made an argument for Fulton. You know, I gave him two. So, um, you know, I, I thought that fight started out technical, a little bit over technical to some degree. And I think, look, as much as people were picking out good highlights for in a way, and it was a, a great finish, he finished Fulton just like he finished most of the other guys he fought. That was what was really impressive about that fight. But, you know, people were picking out snippets where anyway, anyway, jabbed to the body, and then he landed upstairs, something to Fulton. But you know what? I didn't see the snippets of anyway missing like a wild pub fighter in those first few rounds that if Stephen Fulton had any kind of pop or was not fighting an overly defensive fight, fight he would have gotten countered hard. And, you know, where was the where was the discussion about that part? I'm not saying in a way overall isn't a great fighter, but I'm just saying you didn't see any of that out of Terrence Crawford on Saturday night. So there was a difference in the performances, even though they were both overall excellent performances and results. I thought in a way's finish was a great finish, a spectacular finish. Um, and there was, you know, he had other good moments. I certainly had him winning the fight, clearly. But there there was, again, Crawford's performance was so good against the better guy, and there was even some mistakes he wasn't making there that, in a way, was making and wasn't being made to pay for. Now, what I was thinking, the surprise thing that I thought did play out to me, and Fulton just wouldn't really commit to it, was even though he has no pop, with at least having some physical strength, I, I saw really the only kind of flaw I've seen from Inouye so far in his career, just a little bit at times, is if 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 you he, he's still got the boxing skill to beat you, but and the combinations, but if if you can make him back off a little bit, you know, he doesn't get that leverage. Like you 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 can see where he's at his most effective, even though these were bad moments. He wants to come at you hard and, you know, get off his combinations where he's got that leverage coming forward, and that's where he's devastating. And that's why I even did see him take some of those wild swings sometimes because he's, he's best when he can, he can get moving forward like that and get that full leverage. It, it seems like at least one way of whoever's going to end up beating him, you, you can't let him get that full leverage coming forward. Now it's easier instead of done because the guy's got power and you can't make a mistake. And in Fulton's case, that was tough because he doesn't have pop. But I still thought he had to do that. You know, he, he gave away the first two rounds, just backing off way too much. Then I thought he did a little bit better, even though those rounds weren't dramatic or anything. But you, you could see he just wanted to focus on defending a little too much. Not that you can't be careless. I mean, you can't be careless within a way. Let him catch you. He's got too much power. I get all that. But Fulton was just right. defending. Yeah, you got to have output. Have and when not enough was talked about those moments, in a way, was swinging wildly on a few occasions. Didn't happen just once, just wildly and missing. And he wasn't being made to pay. And when you're going to let somebody who's got that kind of offense come forward with that kind of impunity, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, and Fulton ended up being in trouble. So, you know, not a 
didn't fight it. Didn't fight a didn't fight a great fight. He, he he actually did slightly. If you want to, I mean, for what it's worth, with the two fights the same week, he did a little bit better than Spence did against uh, against Crawford. But I think Spence's effort was totally there, and he was selling out even more than Fulton. But it just, you know, just nothing went Spence's way really after that first round. Um, but but Fulton, you know, he, he's got, he's got to deal with this lack of power. Um, you know, I, I just didn't think he could back off and outbox in a way. Fulton fought a lot like that early in his career as well. I talked about Spence doing some of that, but he, he did that a lot. And then he also uh, got more versatile in his style, but he doesn't have any pop, and Spence has a lot of pop. And uh, he he I just didn't think he could back off on in a way and, and win that fight. And there was no signs that he could do that during the fight. And so, he, he, but he just didn't want to just didn't want to commit continually backing him off and, and trying his luck there. And, and he ended up getting taken out uh, as a result. So, uh, you know, great, great finish by in a way, and still a great overall. Speaking of jabs, Inouye's jab yeah. was just nasty during that fight. And that jab right hand that started the, you know, the start to the ending, he looked really sharp too. And you're right. He did do a little bit. He did show a little bit more flaws um, than Crawford. Cause both of them had these little flaws early in fights that you're like, huh, that could, you know, maybe that'll get him sometime. Whereas Crawford was just sharp, you know, from round one, basically. Um, but you're right. It was like Inoue was also facing someone who didn't have the same power of it. So that, that you know, that was part of that, that home run hit and stuff, like you said. Swing yeah. it for the fence. And, and think, right. And but, but I agree. I think what people, not not most people even, but, you know, in in a way, he's got that power, and he throws in combination. But he's got amateur pedigree. You know, you don't hear it talked about that much here. About him talking to good things, but I do think that's like the difference. Like, I mean, he he's a guy that has high amateur pedigree, knows how to fight, but then then he's got that power and throws in combination. So, in other words, he, he's not like some crude puncher who you can. You know, just say, oh, th- this guy is just just a puncher who's just totally relying on his power, and and I'm going to go in with him, you know, and, and we're just going to going to make a miss and outbox him because the guy knows how to box as well. So it's it's not quite that simple with him, and that that what that's what makes him extra tough as well. But yeah, I just think as good as Inouye's finish was and the final result was, and and the, the good things that he did in there. Crawford's performance was just flawless. I mean, I can't think of anything he did wrong in the fight. I mean, it just no. – and he was fighting a guy with firepower. So, you know, it, it was against somebody who had – and your fault and has no firepower. So that's that's a massive difference. And, uh, you know, so I just think Crawford – and then you look at what he's spanned. He's been, you know, lightweight champion. They said now, now welterweight champion, lineal, undisputed – uh, I, I think he – I don't care about pound for pound much, but I care about right. it at least just enough to say, look, I do think Crawford's the number one guy after this weekend. If, yeah. To me, so if you didn't come to that conclusion, you're not making the adjustment. In other words, you just wanted to say there's no way in a way it can't be number one, and it was right. kind of that reminder of you got to let it all play. you got to let it all play out. Right, that was Tuesday, you know. It's now Monday, you know, the next week. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. You had to wait to, turns out you had to wait. Uh because I think 
Crawford showed that right now he, he's the best fighter in the sport. There we have it. And next week, it will be on a Tuesday night, just so you know. We're going to get back to Tuesday nights, all right? Okay. Good, good to know. All right, Chris, get to those other calls. Thanks for having me, as always, and enjoyed discussing this massive week with you. Yes, sir. You take it easy. Have a good one. All right, Chris. Take care. All right, we're going to go to Carcino, and that's the thing. Crawford was so sharp, even when he had him hurt, he was still on his P's and Q's. You know, uh, a chunk of years later, or uh, ago, there's times he would get a little hurt or caught with a big punch trying to finish some guy. I can remember that Beltron fight where he dominated the dude, but he just went for the finish too strongly, got caught, got hurt. I mean, he was dominant. And speaking of domination, the one person that I know that called the fight to a T is Carcino. That's the only person that I know that how it played in the ring and how he said it. it go back and listen to it if you need to listen to it again. And it's funny. We're going to bring in Carcino right now. It's funny because I had multiple, like seven, eight, maybe ten messages saying this, that, and the third, and only one person, Carcino, only one person has said Cino was right. The other people are not calling in tonight. They're not messaging me. Nothing. It's, it's like crickets over here. It's like we're in the middle of the woods, and it's completely silent except for crickets. How you doing, my Midwestern brother, Carcino? We're credit is due. you got to give it. I'm on top of the world. <laughs> Man, well, world rightfully right so. Rightfully so, sir, because you called it to a T. That is right. And it was the only way you could look at this fight and see it going. And there have been so many experts who thought, like, this was just going to be a back-and-forth fight. And even on Instagram, before the day of the fight, I'm like, 50-50? It's not a 50-50 fight. <laughs> it's 50-50 if Errol gets knocked out or go to the car. And he's going to get stopped. I've, I've tried to tell people over and over again, and they just don't seem to get it. Um, there is a difference between good fighters and great fighters. And you see it here. This is a prime example of what a great fighter looks like. And this is what the whole world needs to see. Because great fighters seem to step it up to a notch where others don't seem to have that level where they can hit the button and go through the adversity and step it up and go to that next level. It's like everything's basically been the same for them. And that was Errol. I've never seen Errol, I guess you could say Sean Porter, but... He never really hit a switch or did something different. He's an A-B fighter. You know, he goes too far ahead. And from a technical standpoint, I knew he was at a tremendous disadvantage. And everyone wants to make this about size. And I knew these excuses were going to come, but it's funny to me because all the excuses was made was made by their camp, Errol Spencer's camp, that Bud was weight-drained. Oh, look at Crawford. He's weight-drained. 
Oh, he's going to kill. He's killing himself. Oh, he didn't make weight. I told you. Bud Crawford didn't make weight. Oh, he's done. Your boy's going to get walked through and walked down. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) But see, I understand why people thought it was going to be a back-and-forth fight because they wanted to see a back-and-forth fight. They weren't looking at this as a stylistic, technical fight. Errol Spence is tailor-made to get destroyed by Bud Crawford. His style is only comes straight down the line. So when he comes straight down the line, he's going to get met. And he's going to get met with somebody who can dish it back. And he's going to think he's the stronger guy. And when he finds that that, that doesn't work, he does not have a plan B, C, and D. Terrence Crawford could do A, B, C, and D. And he can do everything better than Bud. I mean, better than um, Spence. And it was evident what was the problem from the beginning. And as I told a lot of people uh, in the, my videos and everything else, is it was clear to me from the start of the fight, Errol Spence was making a huge mistake. He was trying to confuse Terrence Crawford by fighting a different style. He was trying to be deceptive in how he was going to approach coming in. So when Terrence Crawford saw that, he was just trying to gauge the rhythm, get the distance, and look for the openings and come out with a jab and make sure he wasn't throwing a pawing jab or a searching jab. He wanted to throw a jab with assertiveness. So the first punch of the fight, he goes right over this and throws a really sharp jab in between the guards. Terrence Crawford knows, and everybody knows, Errol Spence doesn't block jabs very well. He doesn't really block a lot of punches very well unless he sees them coming in from afar, but he really doesn't. He normally gets hit with jabs. He normally walks through them. So they knew if we don't throw a pawing jab and throw a serious jab and put weight on it, he, you can hit him. And sure enough, from that first jab, and you saw him reset and get his feet back together, I saw a lot of changes. He came right back in and tried to, you know, box on the outside, and their their strategy was come in the line, throw some combinations, and step to the side. That's what Derrick James wanted Arrow to do once the plan didn't work. That was the, supposed to have been the plan B. But what they did not expect – and they already knew Terrence's athleticism and speed, but the style is terrible because what Errol tried to do <laughs> was try to feint and throw looping shots to a counterpuncher. He's a pressure fighter versus a counterpuncher, and you are in trouble because now you throw looping shots. You don't really throw a lot of shots straight. So now – you're wide open to be countered, especially from a guy like him who's super sharp with his punches and his defense. He sees everything Arrow likes to do. Arrow telegraphs all of his punches. Like I said on the show last week, I'm like, he telegraphs all his shots. You can see him coming. I know his combination. He throws like two little jabs, and then he loads up for one big shot. He doesn't really commit on his right hand, and every time he tries the right hook, that's his little – gimmick to try to hold people there, Terrence Crawford kept the phone by the ear. 
<laughs> he kept the glove right by his ear. He knew that right hook is yes, where he wanted he to go to. When he pulls out, he's going to go to the right hook. If he pulls out to the right, he got the left. He got the left glove up. I mean, the right glove up. He knew exactly how to do it, and he stayed locked in all through the fight. He Every sure. three minutes of the round. Every single second. That's what really blew me away, Carcino. It's like, wow. Even, like I said, even when he had him hurt, he still took his time and went for accuracy rather than spazzing out. Oh, definitely. He fainted him so many times. And this is why people was like, well, I don't know why Arrow stopped moving and just was standing there. I said, well, first, it's called body shot. And Errol Spence is, everyone believes Errol Spence is a good body puncher. He's not. He's a guy that throws good body shots. Like, he's throwing shots to the body. He's working. But he's not somebody who places punches right where they need to be. Terrence Crawford is a body puncher. He knows how to land a shot where right when you don't expect it, boom, and put the place to shot right where it needs to be. Instead of just going there, just throwing body punches and digging like you're digging for a goal, a body puncher knows how to place shots to the body. Um, Chavez was a guy who placed body shots perfectly. He knew where to place them. He was a body puncher, and he was an attrition guy. He wore you down, but he also can go after you. He just didn't throw body shots, but he knew how to place body shots. He knew when the right time to throw a body shot. Well, every time he hit Arrow with something up top, he didn't just headhunt. He would also pay him off to the body, and he would dig a body shot in. He dug that left to the body a lot, and it was powerful through hard body shots. Arrow tried to rush him in the third round after he got caught with a with a 2-1, and the reason that Arrow was getting caught is because in the first round, you can see Arrow's stance. He takes a very wide stance. And if you it take was a wide stance, yeah, if, if you take a wild stance, a wide stance in boxing, that normally protects people from body punches. When you take, and it's like more control for you for a guy who's coming in. For counter punches, this is ice cream after the dinner. <laughs> This is this is easy. Now you got to reach because your, your legs are so far apart, you got to reach to get to him. So by the time you reach and try to throw a punch out, he picks that off. He can come right and counter you. Quick. And it was so quick. It was so obvious that was what he was doing. He was reaching with his jab that as soon as he threw the punch, it was picked with the same hand, and he still hit him with the hand. <laughs> he picked it and then caught him with another punch before he could even get back. Because that's how far he was apart with his feet, taking that super wide stance. Wide stances are good at protecting your body, and you can get off your shots, and you can stand tall. Mostly tall fighters have, like, wide stances. It makes it difficult for guys to get in and get to you. You can kind of counter them coming in. But... Uh, a fighter with movement, that's where you're going to have your problems because you got to reset over and over again. And that's where Trinidad is a guy who had a long stand, 
wide stands. It was like a, a track star. He would, he would stay all the way back, one foot all the way in the front, and then he had one foot planted in the back, and he wasn't on his feet or his toes, and that's why De La Hoya gave him problems with the movement because he couldn't. He wasn't cutting off the ring because he was so far back in that stance, you know, protecting his body. But that's the stance he's comfortable with. That's the one he's been fighting with for his whole career. It was uh, very interesting to see because I think Derrick James, not only was he out coach, it's just that, that they had no game plan with that style that they had is not going to beat Terrence Crawford. They thought they were just going to come in, wear Terrence Crawford down, be strong. And I said, that's, if that's your game plan, you lost. This is a counterpuncher. He's going to zip. He's faster than Arrow. And I was like, he's faster than Arrow. I don't know why people thought Arrow was fast. I don't know why people go with this notion Terrence Crawford is a slow starter. I said this last week. I'm like, y'all have been fooled. He's not a slow starter at all, and Errol is not a fast starter. <laughs> I'm like, these are illusions. They go by the fight. If the fight is presented in a certain way, it will get done quick. Terrence will start quick if somebody, like when Amir Khan came out and tried to be aggressive in the first round, he got clipped. <laughs> he went right down. If it's about the fight. He's going to box. He's going to try to figure you out, but he don't give away the round. He's actually doing work in there. But I, I see where a lot of misconceptions came in at because they just expected Errol to do more. They're just like they assumed that. He would do great, no matter how many disadvantages it was. And it was clear that he was outmatched. The feints were holding him there. As, as you see why he stopped jabbing, somebody asked me why he stopped jabbing. He stopped jabbing because he was afraid of what was coming back. He was getting hit so hard. Plus, he can't get the timing. When he says timing was off, it's not because he had weight. His timing is off because he can't get the rhythm of Terrence Crawford because Terrence Crawford is doing so many different things with his gloves, his gloves, his shoulder movements, everything he's doing, he's he's twitching his hands on his gloves. He's holding Errol Spence right in front of him, not letting anything go. Dude, that shoulder that he kept clear his face with in that – dude, that was – there's so many little things that he did, so much detail that he just does with ease, man. Yeah, and whenever, uh, whenever Errol thinks he's got a time and he's getting ready to shoot a shot, he put his blinders up, put the high guard up. So it takes away his vision of what he wants to see and what he wants to do. So he'll faint, and then he'll jump back because he can't see his opening. And somebody's like, just let the punches go. I'm like, yeah. Like George Foreman said, just throw the punches. <laughs> Just let him fly. I'm like, yeah, well, he was letting him fly, and he was getting tagged. And it was just draining him out. Like in the third round when he just he fought like a, a child who just got mad and just started swinging in the third round and trying to push and force the action because he was embarrassed by the knockdown. He was swinging so hard. and Yeah, he was trying to get it all back in one round. It's like, dude, it's yeah. the third round, fourth round, calm down. I knew it was over then. I said, oh, it's over. Come on in. 
This is a trap. You're coming right in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't even need to wipe your feet. Take your shoes off. Come on in. Yeah, Crawford backed himself to the corner, let him come in, and was just dead. He dug a left to the body right after that. Boom, and he threw a left uppercut in there. And (laughs) that's when Arrow backed out. I was like, yep, Arrow backed out. said, okay, yeah, I'm doing too much. Then he starts throwing the jab right after that. Just jab, pop, jab. Yeah, and I was like, he threw three jabs in his face in a row and got out of the corner. I was like, oh, my God. Arrow didn't take off any of them. 60% of the punches landed in that fight on Arrow with power punches. 60% of power punches landed. Can you imagine that? 60%. And 50% overall. I mean, yeah, it's unheard of, really. It's unheard of at the top levels, you know. Yeah, and then now everybody wants to talk about the accident. Oh, well, it's the accident. That's what happened. I'm like, well, he had two fights prior. I didn't ask him. Yeah, we knew he got it, yeah. <laughs> that was already well, in the it's equation. Good. It's too late for that. Yeah, you know the excuses are coming. So I've been told that the rematch is taking place. Uh, Errol already came out today and said that he thanks right. Terrence Crawford. You but had a date, a too, didn't you? Didn't you have yeah, a date? The, December the 9th is the date they had uh, circled. But the Vikings are playing the Raiders that day in, you know, Vegas. So, um, well, not that day, but it's going to be on Sunday. That so, weekend, I don't know. Right, yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Dang. But right now. Boy, when you put it like that, casino, when you put it like that, it's like, Wow. Interesting. I might have to go out there then if that's the case. My Vikes are playing there. Hold on. Okay, keep going. Yeah, Sorry. Vikings are playing uh, the Raiders and Vegas on the 10th. So now you got you got a situation where they might move it depending on what happens, but the fight might be at a catch weight depending on what happens with the Charlo fight. In September, they're still trying to figure right, it right. out, but they're trying to decide because you know, of course, this can't just be a fight. It's got to be belts on the line. So even if they fight it, they do it at fifty-four. It's a one-fifty-four fight. If Jamar Cello still, Charlo still got the belts at fifty-four, then it won't make sense for them to do this, or they're going to say this qualifies as a fight to put Crawford as a number one contender to beat Daryl Spence at 54, and then he'll vacate the title. Or they could just do a catch weight at 152 or 153 or whatever to make it not a 154 fight, but still a welterweight fight. So, therefore, the winner will still be have a chance of being undisputed. So they're still trying those particulars out. But as far as the money first, it's, it's going to be called Crawford Spence. And he's getting the sixty percent. Arrow gets the forty this time around. It's all Crawford in charge for this. So now he's in control of everything going forward. So it it was up to Arrow to decide if he wants to take that rematch. So it's up to him. Uh, Terrence Crawford said he had no problem doing it at fifty four. That you know the weight's not an issue for him. Um, 47 was a little hard for him to make, too. He was talking about going to 54 anyway. Exactly. Exactly. He already kind of had that going, so it it works for him, too. He's not a small dude, you know? 
Exactly. So he's trying to say, like, okay, if you think the weight is going to make the difference, it's the style that's going to make the difference. The fight is going to make the difference. Errol Spence even said a very key statement in his statement, saying that it will be a closer fight if the fight was at 54 in a rematch. The fight would be a lot closer. And I'm like, wow, closer? <laughs> you don't even think, why did why do the fight then? If I'm, if I'm going to get in a rematch, I'm not going to say, well, at least I'm going to get some more rounds when I got this That's fight. True. I'm going to win a couple more in the first four. So, you know, there, there's that to look forward to. <laughs> right. It's going to be closer. No, no don't think. <laughs> I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some more rounds than just one this time. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some more rounds. Trust me. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this guy will beat you. There's nothing you can bring to the table. Errol Spence is not a knockout guy. So I told people that I'm like, you're gonna have to beat Terrence Crawford at boxing, and you can't do it. So your only bet is to fight. And you can't beat him in fighting. He can outfight you. He his defense is better. You can't block a jab. You're not gonna get all that in one camp and you're not gonna get it from Derek James. I'm gonna tell you something that I haven't even put on my video. I said I was gonna save it for here. Here's the situation. After this fight was over, Errol Spence's parents. His father was there, the mom, the mom said his son. I don't want to see this again. I can't see you get hit like this again. And he was like, Ma, if I lose, I have a rematch. He said, I'm going to do it at 54. I'm going to do it. If I lose like this again, I'm I'm, I'm, going to quit, Mom. I'm going to quit, Mom. I'm going to be done. So if he gets beat down again, I was told, he told his mom that if he gets like, if this happens like this again, he done. He's not going to do it no more. And I agree. <laughs> I mean, after this, you should. But he told his yeah, mom yeah. He, he, he's done. you got to at least be thinking about it. That's for damn sure. Yeah, if he gets beat down like this again, he's done. And now the bigger question on the table is should Errol Spence fire Derek James. Derek James failed him in every aspect of this fight. From the preparation, game planning, and not stopping this fight after the seventh round. Errol has a lot of heart. He is a champion. He's not you gotta save your fighter from himself. Whether it costs you your job or not, your job is to protect the fighter. Errol, at that point, has got three knockdowns against him. He hasn't done anything to show you one punch is going to turn this fight around. He hasn't shown you that. I know you want to say, hey, he's still in the fight. He's still here. I'm going to let my guy go. But we're going to have to do it another day. You're taking too many shots, and now I'm going to give you two more rounds to get pounded on because in the ninth round was so brutal. He took so many shots in the ninth round, I'm glad Harvey Dock was the ref. 
because Hardy Doc stepped in and said, I got to stop this. His his equilibrium was off so much that that cannon jab, it was shot at so many different angles in different ways. He would pull it in and pop it from the side, and that was almost like an up jab. Then he had a straight one when he jumped into the jab, put all his weight in it. He stepped into it. Then he had one that he just he just pops it, where he moves his hands, and then he just pops it out of the out of moving his gloves and making it look like he was just gonna faint and give him a little rock. But the jab come out, pow! I mean, so fast, Arrow couldn't even react to it. His reaction time was gone. Then he'll pay him off with left to the body, and this and it was just stopping his movement. Arrow was in shape. So everybody keeps talking about like he. You know, I'm like, no, he went through fat camp. He was in shape because you had to be. He kept getting up. But if you think 54 is the reason, like he thinks that that extra pound, that's more weight for Bud. <laughs> Bud's going to be at 154 also. Weight didn't beat him. Yeah, he's not going to have to shrink down either. Right. So I'm like, that's going to make it easier for him. And more weight is not going to help you, Errol. Strength is not your problem. Your problem is what are you going to do defensively and offensively? You're now in a boxing fight with an elite fighter. And now you got to outthink him. you got to outfight him. You have to outstrategize him. you got to take away his advantages. Now, how are you going to be able to do that? Now there ain't a soul out there think Errol Spence is going to win this rematch. <laughs> so now they're trying to change the narrative so that they can get the rematch. Now it's all about the weight. It's got to be at 54 because he was weight drained. How is he going to be weight drained? He had 15 months to make weight. <laughs> he wasn't like he had to go fight at another weight class. Like it well, like yeah, and either way, he signed the contract. You know, We know if exactly. it was tough to make it, it was tough to make it. You knew that going in. But he is the wealth. He's the, he got three of the four belts. He's the welterweight champion. So it's, it wasn't like right. somebody, it was asked him to go to <laughs> somebody asked him to go to a weight class he don't fight at. This is his weight class. He's the champion. <laughs> he's the, he got three of the four belts. So I'm like, this is, it wasn't like he was campaigning at another weight. So how is he going to be weight drained when this is his weight class? <laughs> this is what I mean by I'm talking about these casuals that's been running out here trying to find any excuse because the fight didn't go the way they thought. And rather than say, you know what, the fight didn't go the way I thought, okay, I just got to eat this. Nope, they want to double and triple down and say, nope, this can't be the way. This cannot be the way. It's got to be a reason for this. <laughs> and they want to come up with an excuse every single time. That's when it gets crazy to me. I'm just, like, baffled sometimes with these decisions. So Derek James, to me, right after the press conference, he's talking about, well, you know, like me, I got to go to London tomorrow. It's like, nobody asked your itinerary. Here's <laughs> what you got to do. This Derrick James shares too much about his celebrity. He's he's training himself. He's staying in shape. This is what a trainer is supposed to look like. He's in suits. I'm like, are you a manager or a trainer? You're kind of losing your identity here. You don't know how to 
can to do both. See, Leonard Ellaby was a strength and management guy. You know, he was a strength and conditioning coach for Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather didn't need anybody to really train him. He going to get up and train and do everything himself. He knows the program of what to do for a fight every time to get him prepared. So Leonard Ellaby's job became very less and less in the gym because Floyd don't need nobody to say, all right, come on, Floyd, let's get up, let's go run. Floyd's going to get up and do the track stuff and the running on his own. He, he's always been like that. He's always had that drive. So it's not like anybody's there with him. You don't see Roger with him at all or Floyd Senior with him at all when he's doing his training, his weight training. His, he's doing all that on his own. When it's time for the boxing, then, you know, then they're around. But other than that, Leonard's there to hold his legs while he does and sit up. So Leonard became more of the manager, started taking on more of the managerial roles and start doing other things because him being a trainer is, you know, that was about the extent of what he was going to do. Even when he works the corner and they would have L in the corner, the main voice in there would be either Roger or Senior and, and Nate. Nate Nate Jones. Nate was the uh, main voice Floyd would listen to mostly in the ring because he hears Nate. Because he, he hears and sees what Nate sees. He listens a lot to them. He really rarely listens to what his father is telling him. And that's that was the funny thing about it. His father was just there to have his dad there, the familiar guy in the corner. But he listens to Nate a lot. And if Nate sees something, he trusts Nate's uh, opinion on what he sees because Nate knows the game and they know each other so well and he sees it too. And his father sometimes don't see it. His father sees what you need to be doing. What Bo Mack and Red does, and when they see, when what they do is they look at the opponent, and as the fight is going on, all of those guys know what to do. They see there, Nate Bo Mack looking at the legs first. He looks at the position. He looks at arrow, and he says, okay, he's reaching. Anytime he does that, go. Counter immediately. He threw a one, then he threw a two-one. And that's what surprised Arrow is when he got hit with the first one, he didn't expect the right to come right down the pipe, the jab to come with it. He was expecting the one shot, and he was going to pull back. He didn't know the second one was even thrown. And he got hit with it, and he went straight down. And he was hurt from that knockdown, the first knockdown. He got up, wasn't a flash knockdown. He got up, and his legs showed that wasn't a flash. And if there was more time in that round, he probably would have been, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say stop, but yeah, it was, it's just bad for him. And a rematch is definitely not going to change the outcome of the fight. Uh, he might do a little better, but I still think he gets stopped again. He's going to get stopped again. It just won't probably be as brutal as this first one. But I think the doubt is in there even more because he wasn't confident going into this fight. He was worried about the promotion, all of these different things. Even on the fight day, complaining about, why why I got to flip a coin for stuff? I ain't got to do that. I'm out. It says Spence Crawford. Why am I flipping a coin? They wanted to flip a coin for a ring entrance. And when Terrence Crawford yeah. came out with Eminem, that changed the narrative for a lot of people. It was, oh, and I was like standing here in my house. Oh, the fight's over. <laughs> I'm like, the fight's over <laughs> right. right there. 
He definitely won the ring entrance. He definitely won the ring entrance. It wasn't even close. And when he had that net on his on his gear, that shit was funny, dude. That shit yeah, was funny. He came out with the net. Like, I know what you did. All right, I know what you did last summer. The slick, the guy with the slick suit. Right, right, right. Suit, that's how his yeah. That's how his uh, robe was made. Like the hood and everything was made with that material, like a fisherman. So he had yeah. the net. With the it was great. Thing it was great. Top. Yeah, it was great. Great design. So, yeah, it's got some funny memes up, man. It's, it's one with a big shark coming in and tackle and, like, bite Errol yep. Spence in the ring. It's a, it's a lot of funny memes off this. But, yeah, I mean, to me, it was a great fight. I watched this fight a lot. <laughs> This has been out. I've enjoyed that. The yeah, NBA I was gonna fight. say I, I've watched it. I watched it again. I watched it again. What'd yeah, you think I'm of? Like, uh, what'd you think of? So Vic, I see you on there. You're up next. What'd you think of Inuay Fulton? Because man, Inuay put on a performance himself uh, early in the week. Yeah, just like we were saying. Um, I'm like, man, that was another prediction I had. That was we, man. You both yep. knew that Fulton would hit the canvas. We were like, yeah, well, I expect him to hit the cameras. I thought he would get to the card, but it, he did it even worse than I thought. Uh, Fulton Jr., and yep. he did everything that I said he was going to do, and the problems that he had was very evident. He he sat there, he jabbed, he stayed on the outside, and he he's, like, admiring his work. He fought too much like an amateur. It was a lot of can'ts in there, like, or, or can't do's or didn't do for him. He didn't do a lot of things in this fight. He didn't feign. He didn't block. He didn't know the one-two. I mean, that combination that dropped him, that combination was thrown about five, six times. (laughs) That one-two combination has been thrown. I'm like, he keeps hitting you with this combination because you're standing there right online. You're not moving your head. You have zero head movement. You're throwing your jab out there light. You're going to have to sit down and throw something with some authority. You have to put some combinations together, throw some feints. Use your footwork to move. You're, you're just doing, un, like, unnecessary movement and just trying to, like, pop a jab, and then you, you sit back and admire your work. It's not the amateur. You get knocked out doing that in the pro. So it's like nobody's there scoring it, like, oh, that's a point for you. You got a jab in. Okay, there's another point for you. I mean, he's waiting for you to throw that one punch, and he's coming with, like, two, three. And then he's got heavy hands, and he jumps from one angle to another angle. Now, while you're covering your face to try to block, he dips to a side and just starts coming in like Manny Pacquiao. And he changes the speed of the fight. And once he does that and umps it, now you got to match it or settle it down, control it. He had no idea of how to do that. He was so outmatched. And this is what we were talking about, going to a false sense of security about the gloves. Like, oh, we got the gloves figured out. Now he figured out, yeah, that was his power. Now I, now I got him. You know, like, that was it. Now we got the gloves right. Now he ain't going to be strong anymore. Now he felt, and then he got in the ring, and then he, he got the experience, and he realized that it isn't the rap. <laughs> this guy actually knows how to fight. So it was it was interesting, uh, but Fulton learned a very good lesson. He's not, he has a lot to learn. He, he there's room to get better. 
So like Shakira Stevenson said, when he was doing all that Instagram, calling people out for fights, and he called out Terrence Crawford, where you at? I'm going to come fight you. And Terrence was like, where you at? You in town? He came in the gym, and he played. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time ever somebody has beat me up. Like, he beat me up. He's like, I went home. He's like, I can't believe it. Somebody's actually really better than me. <laughs> First time that's ever happened to me. Like, he beat me up. <laughs> like, I couldn't do anything. And he just, he's like, that just showed me that there's levels to this. And Terrence Crawford was uh, told him, telling him, man, there's levels to this. And I, he's like, I got to get better. <laughs> so I'm like, it's good that that happened to him in a sparring session and not in the ring. If you find that out in the ring, that's a harder disappointment. And he has gotten better since then, a lot better. He's gotten a lot solid at the weight class, and he's been uh, committing a lot more on his punches and really turning more into a counter puncher and a sharp puncher now. So I've seen some a lot more development with Shakira Stevenson than uh, a lot of these other fighters, even David Haney. But, yeah, it's been a very good week. Uh I was disappointed. I mean, the guy from Chicago in the undercard for the main event, uh, little uh, Mexican Mike Tyson, he kind of disappointed me, man. It's just like he's not—he's only going to get so far fighting that way. You know, that's a good crowd-pleasing style, but guys are going to Right, but overall, yeah. Fight. Yeah, you no jab. You know, you come in with no jab, and you just come in and wild hooking it. Winging. Just winging shots, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're winging it. It's like you're you're only gonna get so far. Guys gonna keep the shots down the middle, keep turning, and you know you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you keep fighting like that. And he's calling out Ryan Garcia. I'm like Ryan Garcia might drop you because you're gonna be wide open. He's gonna land all those fast punches and dip to the side. He's gonna have about six, seven rounds in the bag while you're still swinging at the air. <laughs> You're going to have to disguise it a little bit better and time it a little better, but I'm telling you, he's going to have to, he's going to really have to go to the drawing board and really have to get better. I know he's short and he's small, but there's ways to get through to your opponent instead of you fighting like that. You know, every fight, you can't do it, especially a guy with that kind of height and size. And he was standing straight up, too. I know it was like a piece of meat dangling on a stick, but. <laughs> That was something uh, I felt he, he needed to uh, take care of a little better. But, uh, my goodness, the Nonito Dunier fight, man. I mean, he, he's at the point now that should have been his last fight. Uh, yeah. You know, he's 40. He was in his last title fight. I mean, he landed a good left hook. And he got right. the attention. Yep. You know, the good old man had one more in him. But to make mm-hmm. it 12 rounds, again, you know, he wasn't going to be active. He can't let his hands fly enough. Uh, the reflexes are gone. <clears throat> he don't have been in too many wars. Took too many shots he should have taken. And I married him uh, once again. Yeah, it's time to hang him up. Yeah, it's time to hang him up. So that's just how that fight went. And, I mean, it was, you know, that was just basically it for me. 
Now, moving forward for the rematch and, like, Terrence Crawford and what will he do? Because Keith Thurman just came out and called out Terrence Crawford and said, hey, I want that fight. Get me next. You know, like, it's my turn. I'm not going to be flat-footed. Look, these teams here could move. I can go side to side. You know, I can dip, do move side to side. So, you know, we go way back. <laughs> but me and you, we go way back. Give your boy that shot. So, I'm like, okay. They both in the lead 147. So all the belts are going to be up for grabs. So all this boot finish talk I keep talking about, I keep hearing about. Because boot finish is, you know, he's uh, cool with Wallow and Gilly and all those guys. So they were talking to Wallow and Gilly. Uh, Bud was. And he said, hey, man, you know, Boots is next. And he said, and Terrence Crawford texted him back and said, you guys want to see another dead body? <laughs> so they were like, hey, Boots. He's like, oh, he's just talking. He knows he's going to 54, man. He should stay at 47 and get this work. You know, like, get to go to 47 and let's get this work going. But that fight won't happen at 47. That fight will happen at 54 at best. So I agree. If it happens at all, Errol's not going to ever fight Boots. So that's not that's not going to be a, a option for him either. So he knows Keith Thurman is probably his best option. Keith Thurman's yeah, coming I, in. Yep. He's not going to get Bud either. None of those guys right now unless they're going to go to 54. So the fight for all the belts is back on the table. Boots can go get the belts again, and he can fight Keith Thurman in a mega fight. And both of them can fight for the welterweight championship, and you know they can go from there. Errol and Bud are moving up; they're going to fifty-four. They're in their thirties, so I'm like, that's what they, that's what you do when you get to your thirties. You move up. You start. You can't stay at one place all day. It's time to move up. You guys have done everything that you need to do at the weight class, and so now it's time to go up to the next level. So I'm I'm more intrigued to seeing what's going to happen there than anything. And every boxing fighter, former fighter, former trainer, though, is trying to reach out to Arrow <laughs> to try to get in the camp and teach him right, right. Like, Oh, dude, you got to hire me. You got to get me in there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Tom was really pushing for it. So I'm like, yeah, I saw Tom, that. I saw, yeah, I saw a couple of interviews yeah. of him saying that. I wish they'd bring Tarver back to Showtime uh, behind the mic. That's another thing I want to talk about. That was another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Not only that, where are the boxing people at Showtime? Everybody, you got uh, Ariel, Helawani. Right, MMA, basketball players. Right. I mean, I'm like, who is this guy? The other guy, I didn't even know who he was. I'm like, who is this guy? I don't even know him. What, what does he got to do with boxing? Oh, like, was he a cut man? Or like, what is going on here? I'm like, for the weigh for the weigh in was like that whole lineup was just weird. And I remember the girl. I used to see her for the top ranked fights all the time. Um, and I was like, okay, uh, now I think she does PVC, but she's the like the, the female. I've seen her a lot, but I saw Erewhoni, and then I saw this other guy. I've never like I don't know who he is. And I'm like. What does he do? Why is he here? Where are the boxing guys? Where are the fighters? <laughs> Where are the people that know the boxing sports? And it's not saying that uh, Ariel did a bad job. It's just that 
he doesn't know what's going on. It's like like uh, the Showtime like commentary, the play-by-play announcer, that's named Marillo. You know, I I like his voice. You know, he's got a great radio voice. Like, if you're listening to him on the radio, you'll be like, oh, man, this fight is getting great. You know, he's good for that, you know, but he doesn't know what's going on in the ring. He really has no clue. I'm like, I need a fighter's perspective right now. You know, I need I need that boxing perspective of somebody who's been in a fight, <laughs> or at least on a pay-per-view. I don't even take Tim Bradley right now. Just get somebody that's been in a ring <laughs> that can tell me what is going on or at least explain it to the rest of the public. Because I'm like, man, Bud caught all of those punches. And all they see is the punches thrown. And they, they don't know what's a scoring punch or not. I'm like, he's caught all those little clubs. I was like, there, whoa, and now Errol Spence is turning it up. He's letting go. He just landed three. I'm like, no, he did not. <laughs> I'm like, well, stop telling people this. They're going to be running around there. I'm like, I wonder why people are messed up. <laughs> Every time some punch is thrown and it hits up anything, they just think it's a scoring blow. I'm like, they have no idea that the arms do not count as points. <laughs> well, I heard a noise. <laughs> I heard a noise, so it must have landed. Yeah, if you tell them that, they'll be like, they be like no, you're lying. I'm like, no, arms are not considered points. So it's, it's very difficult, you know, and that's why MMA, they're like, MMA is the hardest sport because, uh, you, you, you know, you got to look out for everything. You know, guys can use a headbutt. You know, you can use a knee. You can get kicked. Boxing, you just got your hands. So I said, okay, well, boxing is more limited, right? In MMA, you got more you can use, right? right so right. you can only hit people with your gloves, right? So wouldn't boxing be harder? And now they're confused. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so boxing is harder, right? You can only hit certain places in boxing. To score points, body, chest, and the head. That's it. So people using their arms to cover up and moving and switching, and that's the only way you can score points. Can't hit them in the back. That doesn't count. So, you know, can't kick them in the leg. Can't hit them below the waist. It's illegal. So it's a little difficult. So you got to use your whole body, even though your hands are the only thing that hits, you have to use your whole body in boxing, too, to be able to sell and get open and get shots open and get points in. It's more difficult than you think. So, That's very true. I was like, why do you very, think very it true. pays more? And so I said, why do you think it pays more? <laughs> I was like, That's why they get paid more. Believe me, if they could get – if those guys could box, they would. Hey, what, hey, man. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah. Yep. All right, Garcino. I got a Vic and the Portland, a couple other cars I got to get to in this last 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Of the yeah show, that's but why I, I wanted to keep it real short. I wanted to keep well, it short. I appreciate, so I appreciate you switching to Monday and stuff like that. And I do want to let you know next week will be on a Tuesday, normal Tuesday time. And I'll, I'll, I'll text you and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, I heard that when you told John. Well, thanks for having me on again. Rope it yes, up, sir. Radio, still number one. 
Still ruling. Yes, sir. He's still holding yes, it down. Sir. Still got the best coverage of the fight ever. Best prediction ever of the fight <laughs> was on Rope Radio. All right, Carson, you take it easy, buddy. Have a good night. All right, you too. And once again, I got to give you credit for calling it literally to a T. Not just, oh, pretty much. You know, yeah, you were pretty much right. No, no, no. It was to a T. So I, I got to say that again. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, brother. All right, man, you take it easy. You too, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. All righty, Carcino for life. You know him. You may not like him, but he was right. All right, let's get to Vic. Speaking of the old school, we got some old school here. Let's bring in Vic to the frame. What's going on, Vic? How the hell are you doing, buddy? Hey, Chris, man. Been a long time, but I guess special yeah, fights right? bring out bring out the masses, including me. But, yeah, it's, it, what a week. What a week in the sport that we had. I, I mean, I can't really complain. It may have been the best week of big fights that we've had in a long time. And, you know, they both certainly delivered in one way or the other. So I, I have no complaints on my end. Exactly. That's a good way to put it, Vic, because, you know, I heard people, oh, I wanted a great fight. It's like, I hear you, but you got to put them in the ring, and then whatever happens, happens. And we saw greatness in both of those fights. So we did get something great, and actually beyond great. Let's start with uh, Inuit Fulton. How did you see that one going in, and then what did you think about it in the ring, my friend? Well, I think uh, I think I can go with uh, 50% being right this week. I, I kind of saw the Inuit fight going as it would. Uh, I know Steve Fulton was the bigger guy. I know Steve Fulton has the two belts and has the win over Figs. But if you look at, like, guys that he's beaten, I think if Inoue was to fight those same guys, I think Inoue would have beaten them and probably better. Um, but I didn't think Inoue would be able to outbox them like he did, so that to me was kind of a surprise. But I was always thinking that Inoue was going to get the stoppage late. I thought Fulton would start a little quicker, a little earlier. Uh, but it just seemed like the speed and the footwork and then the power uh, threw Fulton off. And I was surprised he was getting outboxed, uh, but I wasn't surprised that he was going to get stopped. That, that boy from Japan, man, he's he's something else, man. And we've been calling him for, for a while. Like, I mean, I'm not – like, everyone wants to, uh, you know, bookmark their tweets and retweet them from right, five, right. six years ago. But but I've been watching the lower ways forever. And, you know, coming from the Roman Gonzalez, Estrada, uh, or, right. you know, the Rat King, all those guys, you know, knew it was on the radar at that time. And – he, he's probably better than all those all those little guys, to be honest with you. And that's a yep. lot saying yes. uh, Roman, Roman Gonzalez around. So, so yeah, I, I saw that one playing out kind of like it did. And, that, that I mean, th- there's two guys right now on pound for pound list, and then, and then there's everybody else. Uh, I agree with everyone right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, it's a clear separation. I agree with you, like, especially early. I didn't think he'd be able to outbox them that much, too. I did think that. Fulton, although he was too defensive, he, he played defense pretty good early as far as staying away from the big, big shot. He was blocking him a little bit, but I did think he'd be able to land his jab, and I did think that he could win some rounds in the first half of the fight, and that definitely surprised me, and, and, and man, anyway, put it all together. 
Um, and, I, and I agree, he is better than all those guys, and that's no disrespect to any of those dudes because they're all monsters. There's all a bunch of them are Hall of Famers. Uh, but, yeah, this dude is something special. And like I said, he definitely uh, showed his greatness on to, uh, speaking of greatness, on to Terrence Bud Crawford coming out with M in the, the net and everything on his gear. Uh, he just, I mean, what are your thoughts, man? Thoughts going in and thoughts in the ring once again. I mean, this one I got completely wrong. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was I was Errol Spence by, like, split decision, close decision. But, you know, we, we were going to talk about this. Like, all these 7-5, you know, kind of 6-6 six, six right. type of fights where one side was going to say robbery, the other side was going to say great decision. And, and I thought, you know, it, it would be Errol, it would be close, but since it's a PBC thing, he'd probably get the, you know, the, the majority right. of the close rounds with the judges and things like that. But, man, was I completely wrong. Um I thought Arrow would do a much better job boxing. I thought Arrow would use more head movement. I thought Arrow would kind of turn Bud, but it just seemed like he was there to be hit. He wasn't utilizing any defense. I mean, it, it was just everything that you could think of in that fight that you thought Arrow Spence could do really well or great, Bud just did a whole lot better, right? It's like Arrow Spence has a great jab. Guess what? Bud has an even better jab. You can see it round one. You can see it round one. It was like, okay, Crawford's trying to win these early rounds. He's not, he's not, you know, getting the hole or nothing. Yeah, and and it was like coming from the southpaw stance, right? It's like he 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 knew what he was doing, right? And you hear you hear Bo Mack in the corner uh, on trainer tracks on Showtime telling them like, when he throws that jab, you throw your jab. And it was like simultaneously, and, and obviously Crawford with the lead right hand, his power hand, his jab going to be a lot harder than Errol's jab. You know what I mean? So it was like, right. man, it, it was it was a sight to see the defense that that Bud displayed. He, he didn't let me look like he was in a fight, man. And it's it's incredible the speed that he had. Like it was too much for Errol. And then you know, Bo Max calling that he's like, you know, he's going to get desperate. He's going to lean in more. You know he's gonna overreach, and that and that's when you gotta yeah. that's when you gotta cook him. That's when you gotta put him on his ass. And I mean he did it three times, man. And, and man, you, I, I didn't even know Errol Spence. That was Errol Spence afterwards. Like his face was so busted up, man. It, it was just a one-sided beatdown. And like I said on Twitter, as a boxing fan, this is all you can ask for. Bud yep. took it from Spence. Spence never gave up. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like. Uh-huh. It's just it's just the better man won, but you can't take anything away from either guy because Spence never gave up. He he, he could have given up three or four times in that fight. Derek James yep. took a little longer to to throw in the towel when he should have. You know, thank God Harvey Doc was there. Harvey Doc is a great ref from New Jersey yep. who's known to make the right calls. So Spence would have kept getting up for twelve rounds, and I don't know what Derek James was thinking. Maybe you know, maybe he's been with. Arrow too long. It was a big fight. He wanted to keep right. going and, and, and throwing him out there. But, but by like the seventh round, you could tell that that's it, man. This guy, yeah. he can't take any more punishment. And, and Bud, Bud was having fun. Bud's over there calling out, you know, Jamel Charlo saying, you next. Dude, like, I Bud, mean. You know what I'm saying? He, playing, he was playing with his food and then like just just yeah. throwing around the crowd. Like it, it was yeah. It was one of the greatest performances I think I've ever seen, man. And And, and that's saying that and that's saying all things considered because I thought I'd see one of the greatest performances on Tuesday or, or uh, exactly. whatever the annoying fight was. Yeah, so it's yep. like 
I got what I came for. I, I got to see two greats. You know, these dudes, Fulton and Spence, weren't giving up. You know, they, they were going to come back. Yep. They were going to keep coming back if you let them, and, and that's all you can ask for as a boxing fan. Exactly. Well put, man. Well put, but there's no surprise because you were a great writer in your day, too, when you were doing your thing as a writer, Vic. want everybody to remember that. Um, I know. I know. So I got to get back into it, man. <laughs> I hear you, man. You were definitely good at it, man. No doubt about it. Um, so next, you know, names. I mean, obviously the rematch, 54, it is what it is. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Spence probably shouldn't take the fight, and I hear that. I'm also on the side of, hey, it's a rematch clause, and I think both Crawford and Spence are stubborn enough to where I think both of them in that scenario is going to take it. It is what it is. It's boxing. We could tell guys, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, but it is what it is. But beyond that, right, beyond that, let's say the next year or two, because we really don't know how many fights, you know, fights Crawford has left, but you got Thurman, you got Boots, you got Charlo potentially, you got Tim Zhu. Who do you th- where do you think they go? I mean, even like a belt chasing at a different, when Lara and Garcia fight for the middleweight title, that could be a fight he could do at the Barclays. Where do you see him going, let's say, even maybe for, for next year's fight if Spence does, you know, enact this rematch clause, which it sounds like he's going to? Uh, for me, I think if we're going to see Spence and Bud again, I think I need to see Spence fight someone at 54 on the PBC side. Maybe he gets to start with Tony Harrison. Maybe – you know, Sebastian Fandora or, or Brian Castaño. Like, I, I need to see – maybe not Castaño. I mean, right. I, yeah, I think that would be all right. I, I need to see him against a guy that's really good or good but not elite, right, right. To, to come back from first. And then mm-hmm. if he shows out there and maybe does it for two fights, then maybe we have something at 54. But if he comes back and he's struggling with Tony Harrison, he's struggling with a Sebastian – maybe not Sebastian Fandora because he's better be and you know – Defense is sure. not the best, but but like a Brian Castaño, if he's struggling with these guys, then yeah, I don't want to see him against Spence. You know what I mean? Because it's just, right. I, I mean, I don't want to see him against Bud. Like if he's gonna struggle with Stronger. these guys, right, yeah. Bud's only gonna get stronger. Like the, his his strength at welterweight, like there's there's no debate now, right? He stopped everyone in that division that he's yeah. So, so there's no debate that this dude is this dude is a strong welterweight. He's not a small welterweight. Yes. He is a strong uh-huh. welterweight. So and I, and I think the way he trains and and, and how yep. he trains and with his trainers, I, I think that'll carry to 154. So if there is a I rematch, agree. I need to see Spence look good. But if he doesn't, then maybe it's time to hang him up. But I don't want to see. I know a lot of guys on Twitter, Stephen A. Smith, some writers are like that. That's a career-defining beatdown. He should hang it up. Right. And I'm like, all right, guys. Yeah. Like one loss, we're gonna go off one loss, like. Did, did we yeah. say that to Pacquiao when Marquez iced him or all the yeah, wars exactly. he had? Did we say that to Cotto when Margarito beat him down and Pacquiao beat yes, him down? Like, I mean, Pac- you want to see a you know, beatdown. That was a beatdown, too. Yeah, so I'm saying, you know, Pacquiao yeah. came back and, and, and won more fights. He beat Keith Thurman. He beat Adrian Broner after yep. Marquez lost. Cotto came back. Cotto came re- back and uh, had a yeah. damn good fight with Mayweather, dude. With, yeah, with Mayweather. Avengers lost to Margarito. You know, beat yep. Sergio Martinez, ended his career, you know, with the mega payday against Canelo. Like, if we would have told these guys to retire, we would have get those fights, right? And it's off one loss on Spence. 
So I, I think and we're going Canelo a little too crazy. That Canelo fight was a competitive fight. That Canelo Cotto yeah. fight was a good ass fight. And it, it would have never happened if we told him to retire after Pacquiao and Marvin yep. and, That's and a great point. Spence only has one loss. One loss. Like, that's right. it. Like, all right, all right, I get it. I get it. It was a beatdown. He had a crash, broken orbital bone. But that's it. Let's see him come back and see where yeah. he's at. As for Bud, as for Bud, I mean, I, I think for Team Crawford, if he kind of wastes this victory and sits on the bench for 12 months, I think that would be a mistake. I'd like to see yes. him come back. Even if it is against a Keith Thurman who, you know, has right. been in obscurity forever, you know, even if it is against a <laughs> yeah. Keith Thurman and maybe, you know, maybe we get boots up there. I mean, I don't know how feasible that fight is depending on, you know, what, what Bud's contract situation is with the TBC. But we, we need right. to see Bud again. You know, maybe not before uh-huh. the end of the year, but, but, like, let's see him early next year. You know what yeah. I mean? We, we can't have him sitting not out 12 or 15 months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so, if, it, so if he gets – Keith or uh, Boots and then wants to move up and go after Jamel after he fights Canelo, depending if he wins or not. If he wants to stay at 68, 60-54, I mean, uh, why not? Go go for three times undisputed. I mean, that's that's cement your all-time great status. Like If you haven't, if he hasn't already, going up to, to, to beat Charlo to be three times undisputed, there'll be no debate then. That would be ridiculous. That would be so. And, and he's capable of it. He's definitely capable I, of it. Absolutely, absolutely, man. What a listen. He passed, like I said, he passed the eye test before, right? But we had to right. see him do it, right? You can't, you know what I'm saying? That's uh-huh. the thing. That's what we said about Golovkin, right? Yeah, he passes the yep. eye test, but we had to see him exactly. do it. You know, he mm-hmm. had his chance against Canelo. Whether you know, I thought he won the first fight. Great, sure, me too. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but to to cement your legacy, you got to do what an Inouye did. You got to do what Buck Crawford mm-hmm. did. Like you got to show them yeah, why you're no all debate. great. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one thing about this week. Nothing was left for the judges, and that, that's it, man. Oh, yes. the great, greatness was cemented, man. Dude, I didn't even check the scorecards or anything, you know? Like, I, didn't, I don't give a yeah. shit. We didn't even need to see the scorecards. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. No and I know we're running a little late. Um, any other items you want to talk about that's on your mind there, Vic? Um. I, I, I guess the only other thing I'll say is uh, I, I hope I, I've seen Twitter and everyone's back in Derrick James. And it's like, right, 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 right. I think we got to – I mean, listen, he didn't have the best night. You know what I mean? Right. He didn't have the best night, and maybe it's because he's got, you know, four or five high-profile fighters now, and it's not, you know, just Jamel right. and, uh, and Arrow. But I think we need to lay off the, the Derek James kind of like he's a bad trainer now all of a sudden. Yeah, he's overrated now, year. right. So it's like, like I said, I said on Twitter, Bo Mack had the better fighter and the better game plan. That sometimes it's, yeah. it's just what it is, man. Some, it's not your no. night. It wasn't Errol's night. It wasn't Derek James' night. Huh? Go back to camp, regroup, and see, see what happens on the table. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it, and that's exactly what we saw in the ring. Yeah. All right, Vic. Well, thanks for calling in, man. It's good to talk to you, man. And anytime you want yeah, to call yeah. in, you know, you know, it's wide open, man. Will do, brother. Will do. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. And if you get back into it, let me know any kind of writing. I'll support it. All right, buddy. You got that, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Peace out. All right, guys. Um, yeah, like I said, great fight. For a variety of reasons, you know, great, great outings 
Like it's it's I understand, and I'm, I keep getting these messages. Yeah, but I wanted to see this. I want. Yeah, we. You know, you can't. You, it's like getting greedy at some point. It's kind of like some people are saying, "I just got a message saying they should have let you know Spence go in his shield." I got news for you, dude. He did go out of his shield, and he was willing to go. He doesn't need to prove anything more to us on that. Not that he needed to prove it, but uh, yeah, man. And just kind of talking about. Fulton in any way and whatnot, um, just kind of breaking down that fight because I've just talked about it here and there. Um, and if anybody else is on that does want to chime in, feel free press one. Otherwise, I'm not going to go to you. You can chill and listen. That's cool, too. Most people do. Um, you know, anyway did start out, you know, he, that jab was key as well, right? Um, he wasn't really um, – able to follow up. He missed some follow-up shots early in the fight, but it really didn't take long to cut that distance with the quick, with the quickness. And even when he got, you know, hit a little bit, he was clowning a little bit, you know, hitting his, uh, hitting his face, walking away. Um, that double jab started coming out, few nice right hands. Fulton, you know, threw a good jab or two that would land. Like I said, he was heavy on the defense early. And I did think, like, uh, you know, he's actually blocking a lot of these shots early, so I like that part, but it just seemed like he couldn't – he just couldn't do much with it. I mean, by round three, his, you know, nose is bloody. That was from the jab mostly. Um, and even when he started to land the jab and land some right hands, um, it didn't matter. He got countered right away with the anyways right hand. And – after, like, three rounds already, it was 11-2 for body punches through three rounds. So the jab and the body right away was key. And, and it was hard. Like I said, there were some close rounds, but it was hard to give Bolton many rounds. He'd have these little minor success, but just not nearly enough, like I said, I think in the fourth, and especially the fifth. I'd say his fifth was at that time through five, or four rounds. The fifth round, well, I guess it would be the fifth round. Um, that was his best. I, I don't know if he won it. But I'd say that was his best. And, and Fulton was circling a little bit more, um, landing a couple shots. But then anyway, still probably landed the best shots of that round. Uh, sixth round, two-way action again. Um, but once again, anyway was getting the better of him, you know. Um, seventh round, wrote down, jab, a few right hands. Uh, but he took the round from him in the last part. Anyway, did jab to the stomach. But that jab to the stomach, big right hand, it was basically done there. He knocked him down. He actually jabbed to the stomach, right hand, and then as Fulton was going, he caught him with the left, too, for good measure. Got up, flurried on him, TKO, it was over. It looked like Fulton was about to go down again. Um, just dynamic, really dynamic. I mean, that was, uh, like I said, that was something else, man. That was definitely something else. Um, and then, yeah, Yoannis uh, Taez, I think it is, Taez. That was, I didn't expect all that. I got to admit, he came out, speaking of jabs, he came out with his jab. I like the way he mixed it to the head and the body, the left hook to the body. It's funny, though. Garcia came out said, hey, this guy's young. I'm going to put him on his back foot or at least try. He, he was aggressive. So I was like, okay. And, and I know the broadcast team was saying, hey, we got to give him credit for that. And, and that's fair. You know, that's fair. But, um, I don't know, man. It, it didn't do much. You know, those hooks to the body by um, Taez, I mean, 
and like I said, keep he kept using that jab. Um, Garcia would crowd him, and he'd have these little successes. Got him on the rope a little bit, but midway through the third round, dude was just whipping right hands, Diaz. I mean, whipping him. A huge right hand, and then another one, and the left hook knocked him down. Uh, TKO, and, and he got hit, and he was like already going down, got hit again. And it was, you could tell, it was almost like one of those things that used to be called a walking concussion where you're just you're just kind of zapped momentarily. I'm not talking zapped like, uh, like Charles Martin against Ortiz. Not frozen in his tracks or anything like that. But you're just, it's like you just get hit so hard you freeze a little bit. And it's like a minor concussion type thing. You're not out-out, but... He was saying something to the ref, like, at first I thought, did he touch his hand on the, on the like his glove on the mat? And he was saying he should have called it then, or, I don't know. I don't know what he was saying, but it was like, dude, you got fucking hit and knocked down, and I'm not sure what you're, you're talking about here, you know? I really don't know what's going on. And he was wobbly at that point. Some people thought this was an early stoppage. I understand some of that, but when I look back at it, when he got up, he wasn't really coherently sick. Like, what would you be complaining about right there? Did he feel like he got hit in the back of the head? I just, because he, he, he got hit, almost went down, managed to stay up, and then just got clobbered. It almost felt like he was like, hey, dude, why didn't you count the first knockdown? And he hit me. Shouldn't he get in trouble for that? You know, I couldn't really tell what he was saying. And so he was out of it, wobbling a little bit kind of arguing a case that, to me, like I said, unless I missed something, I did have some people over, so maybe I missed it. Um, I saw the replay, but I didn't, I didn't investigate further to see what he was talking to the ref, but it seemed like he's like, what? I don't know, it's weird. It's almost like he looked like, that's not a knockdown, or, or what the hell, you know. It, it seemed like he didn't quite know where he was, to be honest with you. Then he just kept getting clubbed. And when you see the slow motion and when you see the anywhere from eight, nine, ten punches in a row and you're not throwing back, I I didn't have a problem with it. So, Yoannis Tellis, 154 prospect. Once again, there's a lot of high-profile prospects that are either U.S. fighters or fighting in the U.S., whatever, right? ton of them. Um, Like a year ago, we went over the, the prospect scene. It was, you know, it, it kind of focused, John and I, it kind of focused on the U.S. and spiders in general, uh, young, in their prime, and they still got a couple years left. But um, Yoannis Taez, man, this dude looks the part, and uh, he looks like he's ready to go. And, and like I said, there's a lot of great prospects out there, but don't sleep on some of these uh, Samson, some of these PBC, you know, at 54 and 60 now, they have some dudes coming. And don't be surprised if they end up being the one of the better, if not the best guys. Um, and then, yeah, Santiago Donaire. Uh, you know, I thought Donaire started out pretty good, no doubt. Um, Donaire, you know, left hooks, uh, definitely cut Santiago with the clean land. Um, I think it was like 80 seconds or so, you know, caught him really good. Clean combo by Santiago, too. Um, he closed strong, stronger, I think, in that third round. The, the second round was very close. He bounced back because um, he had, you know, after kind of getting stumbled, um, 
but the, the jab and the, the counter left, obviously, no Donaire was there. Uh, but as this fight started wearing on, there was two-way action, no doubt, but just not enough. And it, it seemed like every exchange was just like a little bit less uh, effect, you know. It seemed like it was having a little bit less effect. The sixth round was close. few close rounds, I'd say. The first six rounds, there was close. There was an accidental headbutt. It seemed like both guys were kind of at times leading with their head. Um, Santiago, though, you know, that jab, that it just it started adding up and occupying Donaire, um, much like Crawford occupying Spence. Uh, but the jab, few combinations, just effectively landing punches. I think late in that eighth round, he landed a great uppercut. Even in the ninth round, few nice left hooks, counter left hooks, good start to the ninth round, Santiago took it away. He did pretty good early and then went late, heavy shots to land. And he also mixed some movement. The jab was always there. He worked the body a little bit, but he was circling. He was he was mixing in movement, and I thought that was key, too. It was nice to see that. Uh, but, yeah, some two-way stuff, but not nearly enough. Like, the subtle movement, I really thought, started adding up. They both landed 130. Santiago busier um, at, at 60%, or sorry, 609 to 495, 26-21, 115-113, and then 116-112 uh, for both, and, and I was completely fine with that. So, um, you know, Donaire's probably time to, to hang him up. It didn't sound like he wanted that. Um and he even said that his timing, like the things that he was trying to do, he wasn't he wasn't really ready. They didn't train for certain things that he needed to do to try to, you know, win more rounds to win the fight. But we'll see. But Santiago, man, I mean, kudos to him, dude. He had a, he had a very good performance. I, I was impressed with that. Um, he, he won that one cleanly on my scorecard. Um, Stevie Nelson, pretty sleepy fight. Reyes. You know, scored, uh, what was it, the fourth round? I think it was the fourth round. Um, Kevin Ventura did get uh, beat by Deshaun Prather, I think his name is. That was like uh, a six-rounder, I believe. Um, but then he saw Cruz and, and uh, Giovanni Cabrera. You know, I thought Giovanni, you know, jabbing and landing the right hooks and all that. Um, he had success. I give him some rounds. I don't. I don't think it was a draw or anything like that. But I do. I thought he was doing good early in the fight. <clears throat> he was just moving way too much. Move, 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 move. And I get moving, but it just seemed like beyond his right hook, the jab was. It was landing at like a variable of power though. It wasn't really that meaningful. And for me, Cruz, as this fight wore on. He was just landing better. Nasty left hand in the fourth. These overhand shots that he has, just whipping the hook. Remember when he, I think it was the fifth round where he Billy Goat headbutted him. That was kind of fucked up. But, um, you know, like I said, it, it just seemed like beyond some pretty decent stuff that he showed uh, Giovanni at times as far as being elusive to an extent. And he did get a point deducted, by the way, 
Um, but, yeah, I didn't think it was as close. 114, 113, 114, 113, and then 115, 112. I thought the one I definitely had Cruz winning. Um, 164 to 105. Um, he was active, though. I'll give him that. The jabs, 50 to 12, uh, Giovanni. Body shots, 60 to 16 uh, in favor of Cruz. And 31% to 14. I don't know. I just... I just don't think Giovanni was doing enough to get the win, to be honest with you. I just really did. Um, I'm not saying I, – I, I wouldn't be trying to be way down on him and stuff like that, but I just, you know. Um, and then we'll see. I, I do still think, especially now that there's news about Devin Haney's next fight, it's not official, but it sounds like it's close. Um, so – you know, we'll see when it comes to that. This weekend, we do have a show box, of course, on Showtime. Jordan White and Erdi- what is it, Eris Garcia. Um, this is a good fight. I mean, it's show box, so you're going to give it a try. Another uh, Dominican coming up through the ranks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, this is usually the, okay, let's see what we got. Um, Jordan White was on show box like, Probably, hmm, pro, well, pro, probably over two years ago, something like that. Let me check. It was uh, Miss L, L. Lopez. I know that. Let me, okay, so March, let's see, March, March 10th, 2021. Yeah, and he scored a TKO, uh, knocked Lopez down um, twice in the sixth round. Yeah, that's right. So I think that was the last time he was on Showbox, if I remember correctly. Um, think, unless, yeah, I think that was the last time he was on Showbox. But, you know, with Showbox, I always give Showbox a try. Um, I think this is a good matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if Garcia wins this one. I really wouldn't. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's an interesting one. Um, and then we have uh, James... Uh, Bernadine, who's 10-1, going against uh, Falcoa. I think it's Falcoa. Um, and then we also have Paul Kroll, who's the unbeaten guy. Um, he fought He fought recently. I know that. He had that draw last year in, like, I believe the first quarter um, against Marquise Taylor, who obviously had a, a good outing there. Um, and I remember Guido, Guido, Guido Schramm or something like that. Um, he's definitely been been on uh, – was that his last fight was on Showbox? I think it was, yeah. His last fight was on Showbox, I believe. So I think it's a pretty good card. I think it's an interesting card. And then, of course, um, for those who care about it, uh, Nate Diaz, Jake Paul, that undercard, I like Heather Hardy a lot, but, man, Amanda Serrano and Hardy. I know Amanda, you know, is trying to get back on the good foot or whatever, but that uh, they fought a while ago. One, it was dominating already. Um, you, you didn't need to see it. I think that was her first loss, if I remember correctly. It was pretty dominant. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, so, yeah, that that fight. It's coming. I'm not, you know, too crazy on that one, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, I, I, a 
a lot of people just assume Diaz is going to win um, because we we've seen Diaz, you know, we've heard about Diaz, just that third, you know, there's a lot of stuff um, that we've, you know, we've seen him. We've, we've heard of, that he's, you know, one of the, for a while people thought he was the best crossover um, when it comes to that, you know, crossover fighter uh, to, to boxing as far as relating and all that. Um, or trans, not relating, but, tra- you know, having relatable skills, I guess you could say. And then, obviously, you know, the, the sparring with Andre Ward kind of put it over the top. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I could see him do his thing and outbox him, um, but I could also see Jake Paul hurt him. Uh, I don't really know. But anyway, um, that's on the zone pay-per-view, and I just heard – before I came on, that it will be available on ESPN Plus too. I think it's sixty bucks. I think it's sixty dollars. Um, let's go over some news and all that. There has been a rumor out there uh, that Gervonta Davis is going to fight Chris Colbert. I'm pretty sure I covered this last week. I just got messages saying, you know, uh, basically, are, are you going to, you know, when when uh, when Tank and uh, Colbert get Sign, are you going to say that's a good fight and all that? First of all, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to say that's a good fight. Um, his Kenny Ellis is Kenny Ellis is his coach, and, and I think on Mill City Boxing and other outlets, they they said that's fake. They said that's not going to happen. Um, so you know, it is what it is. I don't think that fight's going to happen. It just doesn't even make sense, especially now that we know Isak won the fight. Like, if you're going to fight a, a Chris Colbert who just lost at 135 not long ago, and I'm not saying Chris, you know, he should go back to 130 like he was talking about, in my opinion, but because um, there's some fights that he could maybe get down there, you know, and kind of rebuild after that loss. But to me, it just doesn't – It doesn't. and Ryo, you know, came up big against him and whatnot. But, like, I just I, – to me, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like – he, he doesn't – it's not even about deserving the fight. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not like he's a big Barclays uh, ticket seller or something like that. So I, I, there's – I'll be the first to call that fucking thing. I mean, I may do a, a show if that's the, <laughs> the case just for that because that would be a ridiculous fight. There's no point in that fight. So, yeah, I would call that out. But look at who – you know, look at, look at the source of but let's pay attention to the source, and especially with Isak chilling. You know what I mean? This is uh, Spence on IG. I was brought up in old law where men don't make excuses. Even if I had one, I wouldn't give it to you. Um, so he's still not saying anything about that. He's not saying anything about that. Asha De La Hoya says, Mungia and Berlanga waiting on the zone. Uh, for an offer, winners line, in line to face Canelo. But I thought you were talking to Benavides. What happened to those? The WBO has officially confirmed that Teofimo Lopez will be allowed a voluntary defense for his WBO super lightweight title, and they have denied the request of Arnold Barboza to be ordered as the Mando. Kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Um, by the way, Peter Biev, Baturbiev, 
and Callum Smith is going to be postponed, whether it's later this year, early 2024. This is Mike uh, Coppinger per top rank. It's a bone infection to Baturbiev's jaw. He underwent surgery today. So it's like it's an infection from dental work. Dude, the inside of your mouth is so fucking crazy, like as far as if you get infected and shit. Um, we do have Wood versus Warrington at a stadium, October 7th. I believe it's in Sheffield, if I, if I remember correctly. You can, you can dog me, UK fans, if I get that wrong. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. I do wonder if Wood is disciplined, he should win that fight. I got a lot of messages. <laughs> I got some people that just sent me. Um, <laughs> Elliot Setback had, like, spent up in some of these fights. It was pretty funny, and Bud kind of put him in his face. But, yeah, that was crazy when you had, you know, when Spence is on the ground, Crawford can compartmentalize, you know, different categories in the ring and be sharp, and he's out there talking shit, selling the next fight to Charlo. I mean, it maybe it's not the next fight, but you know what I'm saying. Um, that was uh, – that was funny. By the way, Jake Donovan reports interesting timing, but WBO approved the request of Lee Wood to make the voluntary defense versus Warrington. So the will, the winner has 120 days to face the Mando, and that's that Plomatov, I think that is. So otherwise, he'd have to vacate. So that's uh, that's something there. Um, yeah, someone sent me this tweet. I'll fight Thurman at 54, so serious. All respect in the world to him, but I just think I can outbox him. That was clear for Shield. It's like, dude, you're going to outbox him. Stop. And according to Bob Arum, the U.S. promoter, for anyway, when he fights here or, you know, when he gets the broadcast to fight, uh, Marlon, good old Marlon Topopoulos, um, it, it sounds like that's going to be anyway's next fight. And I also heard Casimir, Casimir, and then move on uh, to 126. Um, this is Jake Donovan again. Haney, did you pursue, pursue, of course, that pro-grade fight for the title at 140? He's petitioning the WBC to be able to retain the belt in lieu of Stevenson becoming the man, though. So basically, um, they have to sit back and, and have, uh, you know, it's it's like they, they basically have the, where where is it? Uh, Will takes We'll be taking okay. Prove the request. So they're gonna, they're basically gonna think about it and make a, a you know, make some sort of announcement um, about if they're gonna approve that part of it. So uh, they're gonna take some time, and the committee is going to. Now, so there was this big, and by the way, Devin Haney, Regis Progress, October 28th, Las Vegas per source. It's not a done deal. Haney and Progray, this is Coppinger, but it sounds like it's really, really close, okay? Um, someone sent me this. Nova and Romero was a was a fun fight. Yeah, it was. I, I didn't score that one, but, yeah, you're right. And, by the way, Caleb Plant got off on Jamal Charlo, slapped him up a little bit there. Um, is that the beginning of, of the fight that they got coming? I don't know. Uh, it sounds like both of them are going to return in the fall. And now that this fight's over, you know, we're going to start to find out what Showtime's doing in the fall. This is from Boxing Scene. Connor Bed cleared by UCAD in drug test saga, free to resume his career. 
Um, today marks the end of a grueling 10-month process, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, this, that, and the third. So he says, you know, he, he makes this announcement, right? But then it's like, well, the B, the British Board of Boxing and Patrol is like, uh, we're aware that Connor issued a, a public statement today, 28th July, in relation to the, uh, you know, the proceedings between UCAD and him. Uh, the BBBFC refers to the statement published in the response by UCAD. Uh, so it basically, it's like, was that going to be what was going to come out? And they're just getting ahead of it, you know? It's kind of weird. It's actually pretty weird. So I don't know. Eddie Hearn told Pierce Uncensored, I didn't see that interview, but Tyson Fury turned down Alexander Uzik's fight, the most important fight in boxing, to fight an MMA fighter who has never had a fight before in his life. And Saudi, we got to be honest with you, uh, he cares about only one thing, the money. That's what he said, so we'll see where that goes. Erickson Lubin said third workout done, fight date announced really soon. Y'all going to like this one. All right, let's see. By the way, um, Alberto Playu has been removed from the WBA rankings in Broadway. Joel, the voice of the Dominican boxers, this is what he said. He said, not sure what it means, uh, but it looks like Playu has plans to do something about his recent removal from the WBA rankings. So an appeal or whatever the case is. Um, so someone's like, well, what about tanking anyway? I mean, let's see him at featherweight, but it's a lot more possible now. You can get the high rollers and a lot of people to come over here from Japan. That would be a monster gate. And Fight Hype, Espinosa, um, said, you never know. It sounds crazy, but it's only 13 pounds, uh, and he'd love to see it. Uh, you wouldn't put, you know, after that, after that performance against Bolton, you wouldn't put anything out of his reach. And I think that's a good, good way to put it, you know. Um, I'm not saying he'd be next or something, but I'm just saying, like, you know, you, you do have a point there. You know, and this is a cool boy step. I'll be back real upset, but I'm not going to let it bring me down. Head head high, chin up, family time, then back to work. Uh, and he said it wasn't so much his power as it was the timing on his shot, which, yeah. Um, Ratcatcher Minneapolis, who's a funny, funny, uh, Dick Hercules, funny, funny follow on Twitter. Yeah, call it Twitter. Uh, that was anyways Mayweather Corral's moment. Anyone still asking questions about him? Just a big old dummy. That's facts. Um, he also said, Stephen Fulton said, I'm not feeling that bad because I'm a champion no matter what. I'm very disappointed in my performance, but I can't allow to dictate who I am as a person. So he's going to put, you know, put his hand, you know, hold his head up, which he should, which he definitely should. Um, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I've, I've supported Raging Babe when she was a promoter. I had her on the show and all that, but she's always been very anti-PBC. And her first thing after that, that fight anyway, Fulton, word on the curb is Fulton goes right back to PBC. He has zero proportional ties to top rank, no options whatsoever, which means he should fight sometime in late 2024 or early 2025, and it's like, dude, you're really showing your ass on this one. And he and she said, and that's the problem because Top Rank didn't have anything to do with this. It was that uh, Ohashi or Ohashi Promotions in PBC and TGB. Al Heyman, they didn't do, they didn't 
Bob Arum and Top Rank wasn't involved in negotiations. So it's just it's just really funny that that's what you know she says. And then one more thing, Richard Hitchinson. This is news hearing about Devin and Regis possibly. That's crazy. I was promised a shot at Regis title after my next fight. Now I see. Uh, now they just gone. Oh, they're just going to give him a shot. Uh, shot my shot away to Devin. That's crazy. Boxing full of uh, politics and dick eaters. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is. I hear you. Uh, but you know, Aram says, you know, really big fight for Tiafimo next. His head's back on straight. So does that mean Ramirez? Does that mean this? Does that mean that? I don't know. Um, his head bet was back on straight enough to win that fight, clearly, that's for sure. Um, and he also talked about Aram. Aram talks about Shakur getting a major fight this year, could return November 16th. A lot of that will have to do with what the WBC, uh, you know, is going to do. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday. Remember, um, other than that, take it easy. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight four or five years of straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you become a world champion, you're like, you know what, I made it. I'm going to show you.